Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this fine program, and today I've got Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress with me for the full three-hour show here on this Wednesday as we go through everything National Signing Day related. Don't worry, we have signed on for another show here today. And again, for the full three hours, we'll be ta- telling you about all of the Auburn commitments that have made it official. Uh, and again, all the targets. There's still going to be a couple more that Auburn will be targeting in the coming hours and days. Uh, but we'll take you through all those that have committed to Auburn, where the class stands. I'll also look at some other storylines in the recruiting world. Uh, there are SEC teams to note making waves both positively and negatively, especially down in Gainesville. So we'll be talking about some of these other situations and some of these rankings today on the show. Again, if you want to give us a call, as always, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today. If we have time in the 4 o'clock hour, we plan on airing Hugh Freeze's audio uh, from the press conference today, let, to hear, let you hear from the head man about what he had to say about the class, their goals, their expectations moving forward, not only with the rest of this class, but in 2025 and that sort of thing. So uh, if we have time, we will get to that in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, if we don't, that's okay, too. What we will do in the 5 o'clock hour is we will have a change of pace. We'll have Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire on as we do each and every Wednesday to change things up, talk some NFL, some fantasy football. So that's coming up at 5.15, the 5 o'clock hour. But again, in the meantime, a lot of stuff on National Signing Day for Auburn and across uh, the NCAA today as, again, this is obviously the main period. There will be a few prizes and battles to be won in February, but this is where the bulk of it comes from and Auburn having a productive day for sure. Again, and if you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 Ryan, Tom, and Brooks with you here on this National Signing Day Wednesday. We'll start with you, Tom. How are you today? I'm doing great. And, uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a pleasant National Signing Day. And, I, you know, for Auburn, uh, a great class. And I guess there was only the one disappointment. And uh sounds like there may have been some shenanigans afoot there uh, if you kind of – read between the lines on some of the comments that even Hugh Freeze himself made. Um, but uh, And that was K.J. Bolden. But uh, you signed everybody else that you thought you were going to sign. So, uh, great class. They're still in it on some other guys. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great day for Auburn fans and big time for the future of the program. Brooks, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. Uh, it is happy National Early Signing Day. Happy Flipmas, as uh, some folks dub it. Um 
uh, thankfully Auburn was able to avoid a couple flip misses uh, to go against them. We were able to take advantage of one, uh, one big one uh, in the afternoon. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's a big day for Auburn football, um, getting uh, the future of the program into uh, the books, into the building. Uh, and now, you know, if you're Hugh Freeze, you talked about it earlier, you start looking at that portal, you start looking at fe- uh, a couple guys in February, and then you really start hitting that 2025 class now. So you start uh, you start things all over again uh, with, with next year's signing class and, and still filling in some holes. But it's great. It's, it's a great day uh, to, uh, to be talking about this. It's a great day to actually be you – I think you said it yesterday, Ryan. It's a great day to be excited about this and to have this piece of paper uh, in front of us that has all the names of everybody that is, has that is signed so far – and actually, be excited to read some of these. Things. And it's a it's a pretty thick sheet. I remember what was it last year? It was like two pages or three pages. This is a good uh, what five pager here that was sent over by the uh, the staff at Auburn Athletics, uh, the media relations department. Thank them for everything that they do. But it's a uh, it's a big day. A uh, lot of a uh, lot of stuff to talk about. Can't wait to get to our callers. Uh, enjoyed the bowl game last night. UTSA's first ever bowl win uh, last night, so congratulations to them. They were out their starting quarterback, but still were able to, to get a big win over Marshall, so really enjoyed the Frisco Bowl last night. No bowl action tonight, unfortunately, uh, but we're back uh, uh, hot and heavy tomorrow with some more bowl action tomorrow night, so can't wait to get to that. But uh, other than that, let's get into it, shall we? Uh, I was going to say that bowl game last night was the uh, make-you-feel-old bowl game. Oh, yeah, Cole Pennington, at quarterback from Marshall. And uh, I forget uh, what his first name, but McCallum's, Josh McCallum's son. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I even remember both those kids. And I'll tell you what, my one thought of that game was uh, that Cole Pennington, I definitely got to see that he's as unathletic as his father <laughs> because UTSA was in that backfield almost every single drop back, and he was not able to get away from it. So. Yeah. Uh, UTSA kind of dominated that game at the line of scrimmage, especially later on. But uh, yeah, it was Josh McCallum's son versus Chad Pennington's son there. So I, I, I thought I did know that Cole Pennington was there. I had no idea about uh, again McCallum's son at at uh, UTSA. But again, then again, he was not the starter this year. It was supposed to be Harris, and then he got hurt, and and so uh, that's probably why there. But yeah, that was an interesting one. UTSA, as you said, Brooks got that victory. Uh, a lot of teams were looking for victories today in terms of National Signing Day, and several teams got them. A few teams are in a rougher place today than they were. There's one big SEC program that is absolutely reeling. Right. I mentioned that in the open, and, and so definitely uh, some positives and negative teams today. Uh, we'll start, obviously, with everything we've seen with Auburn. Uh, to update you on the running list of players that were expected to be involved in that have committed, uh, again, the two main ones that have made decisions today, Amaris Williams committing to Auburn, flipping from Florida. He had been committed to Florida for quite some time, uh, however, was really not under any circumstance coming into today believed to be staying with Florida. Uh, as uh, you looked at all the crystal balls, they were all – Uh, getting him to go towards Auburn or at the very minimum away from Florida. So Auburn did land uh, Amaris Williams today. And, again, uh, the stuff there, he's the number 83 player nationally, if you, again, grade up all all four of them. But he's as high as number 34 in 247. This is why I said yesterday is I think people have maybe undervalued him a little bit, focused on a couple of the five-star guys because – 
couple of these sites have them pretty dang near close to being five-star. I mean, being number 34 in the country is pretty darn close. Uh, he's number 64 on Rivals, 100 on ESPN, but then on three actually has him the lowest at 258. So a little bit of disagreement there. But three sites have him as a top 100 player and as high as 34. So Morris Williams out of Clinton, North Carolina, commits to Auburn. Uh, there was a commitment not to Auburn today of note, and that was K.J. Bolden, uh, the five-star out of Buford, Georgia. He had been a Florida State commit. There were certainly a lot of murmurs that he would be flipping that commitment to either Auburn or Georgia. Uh, and at the 11th hour, he decides to go and stay in, in state Georgia. And I think we'll all have a few thoughts on that. But something uh, that I, I kind of put two and two together, I feel might uh, might be a reason. I'll relay in just a second. But so K.J. Bolden, the top 15 safety uh, here, top 15 player, number one safety there in the class uh, out of Buford, goes to Georgia. Still waiting on decisions from Favor Edwin. Uh, the three-star tackle to sign between Alabama, Auburn, and Florida. Florida's involved there. Uh, again, Auburn and Alabama felt like the front runners. Florida still has a chance, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to put some more tune to together. While I'll tell you why Florida might have a chance at him in a bit. Uh, but but those are the three there. It's uncertain when he's supposed to commit. I, I don't really have not seen a concrete announcement time or even date that could come today. It could come tomorrow. I don't know. I, to be truthful, I don't know. He. His last post was last night, and he just tweeted uh, three letters of intent, from one from Bama, one from Florida, one from Auburn. So uh, that could come today. It could come tomorrow, Friday. You then have Cohen Eccles. Again, that is supposed to be Friday. Uh, that is the four-star offensive lineman that uh, has been committed to Texas A&M, decommitted from Texas A&M a few weeks back. Auburn believed to be the front runner there with some crystal balls. And so Eccles is going to make that decision on Friday. LSU is the other name to watch there uh, for Eccles services. Uh, and then now LJ McCray has pushed back his his commitment and still kind of wondering about him. Uh, I rank that as maybe the least likely for Auburn. However, with what's going on at Florida today, McCray has not made that pact official yet. So going to monitor LJ McCray figure out when exactly he's going to commit, but it looks like it's not going to be in the signing period. He might be a February guy too, and so that's going to be worth noting. And then, of course, as everyone knows by now, Ryan Williams will be committing in February, so that was not on the agenda for this week. But those other three guys, you got one if you're – or those other five, excuse me, you got one if you're Auburn, you lost one, or at least did not pick that up. And then you've got three more guys that you're waiting on, uh, a couple offensive linemen there and a defensive linemen. So you're waiting on some – Big boys at the line of scrimmage. So, guys, we'll start with those guys just because that was the newer stuff. Again, we'll have plenty of time in this show to get to Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, all the big names that were have been locked in with Auburn for a little while. Uh, but let's start with those available names and the two guys there that have already made choices today, again, in Amaris Williams and K.J. Bolden. Uh yeah, I mean, the the guys that are still out there, yeah, we just don't know. Um, crystal balls seem positive for Auburn, but, yeah, don't know. Um, don't know what's going on with them, and uh, we're just kind of waiting and seeing. Uh, those would be big gets for Auburn if they have – Auburn still has a path to a top five class um, if, if they can get some of these guys, and especially if they're able to get Ryan Williams to flip. Uh, then Auburn will have a top five class. So they've put themselves in that ma- in a major position. Uh, so we'll see how it shakes out. But uh, 
you know, it, the guys, the guys that they got that uh, that you're talking about. I mean, that's that's big. Amaris Williams, that's that's a big guy to 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 get to flip from Florida, and uh, yeah, maybe more coming. We'll see. Yeah, I, you know, you you look at it. I, I still think that this uh, this class you know you, you look at some of these guys you need some more help on that that offensive line that that could be coming later on in the week with some commitments or it could come into the portal uh but the the you know that you look at this it, it's tough to miss out on, on kj bolden the thing is is like you said right he was still technically he never decommitted from florida state right he was still a florida state commit up until he switched to georgia so it wasn't like he's, he's a guy that auburn had and then let him get you know got got away from him he was it was always you know it was just some crystal balls out there saying it, it could be to, to Auburn and everything um and so that it, it, he's a guy that you would really like to have he's a guy that I think a lot of people are really high on I know you know Tom you, you talked about it yesterday he's a guy that you know you could see him contributing year one on the field um but it, it's you know you, you look at it he, he's going to Georgia um he, he's a guy, and and you know the the thing about it is in with Georgia, there's a, there's a chance he may not see the field next year. There's so much talent on that Georgia roster that you're you know if you're Auburn, you may not have to deal with facing him uh, for a year. I mean, he very well could still uh, get it, get onto the field at Georgia, still be a, a, a contributor next year for the Dogs. But it's uh you know there, there's still a chance that you know with with so much talent that's already up there at, uh, in Athens that he may not even see the field next year. Um, so it, it's, you know, you, you hate to miss out on him, but to go down and get Amaris Williams and to, to flip him from Florida, um, and mainly, you know, you flip him from Florida, but you fight off a team like Ohio State for him. And, and so you're, you know, it, you go down there and you win that battle uh, against a, a program that, that is always top five in the, in the country, always in the, in the uh, playoff conversation. I know Hugh Freeze has made a big, uh, big deal about competing recruiting-wise with the, the Alabamas and Georgias of the world. But when you can win a battle against a team like Ohio State, that's still on that same level. You're still winning a battle against a team that's always in national championship contention, a team that is probably the most like an SEC team in the Big Tw- in the Big Ten. Uh, and so it's it's great to win that battle. He's a you know a four star, and you know across almost all the all the the uh, the serv- the yeah the services. Um, he went and got uh, got invited to the All American Bowl. He's a Maxwell Award defensive semifinalist, and so that's big. This is a big uh, this is a big get, especially on that defensive line. He's a guy that can come in and uh, and and really be a contributor here for for this Tigers team on the defensive side of the ball, and and that's. You know, Hugh Freeze was a, a little bit later coming in. He was supposed to come in at at, uh, at twelve thirty today. Didn't end up coming in until after they got this uh, this uh, com- or this uh, the signing in. But uh, it was big. It, it was big to a big signing day flip. And you know, like you, Tom, you said yesterday. You know, you you try not. There's been a, a quite a few notable uh, notable flips the other way against Auburn or you know in, in recent memory that that folks can remember this was good to be on the other side of that is to to flip a guy from an SEC program and and win a battle against a, an Ohio State well and, and look you know I, I want to go back to, to KJ Bolden for a second because uh, that's something that if again if we have the opportunity to play the audio a little bit later you're going to hear Hugh Freeze mention a little bit about a guy that they felt they were going to have quote I'm, he's coming he's coming and then uh, you know, last minute does not, and that, that's. I mean, for all intents and purposes, we know that's KJ Bolden. Right. My two cents on it. My take is that when Dylan Riola decommitted from Georgia and committed to Nebraska, 
that freed up a, another NIL portion for KJ Bolden and the twelfth hour. And I think that that is probably how that dynamic changed so late because Riola late last week, so like Thursday, Friday, somewhere in there, it was murmuring he was going to flip to Nebraska, and then he did, and obviously signed there. And so I, I'm willing to, to wager that that allowed them to maybe put more into into Bolton's part because, again, people think that it's just a blank check that a school can use. But as I've said multiple times now, you got to remember, yes, for all the all the people, all the money that some of these rich guys have that that contribute to programs and NIL and all that. For all that there is, remember, there's still in a lot of lot of areas businessmen, and they don't have any financial return for this. This is just free will spending for an enjoyment factor of of contributing to a a football team they care about to a school that they care about. There's no, Oh, it's not a stock market. It's not investment financially. It's investment in their, their interest basically. And so it's not like they're going to just spend 20 million this year, 20 million next year, 15 million next year, the 20 million after that collectively, look, you're trying to bring new people into the collective. You're trying to bring new people in and that's how you get new, new resources and that sort of thing. But you know, some some of these people have limits, and you might not think they should, but in reality they do. And so, look, even people like at A and M, like if it really was down to like five people or ten people that just decided that they were, were going to have limitless funds, then there would be a school that would do it every single year. A and M did it one year, but they can't do it every single year. It's the same stuff. It's, it's for the same reason. Those people are just as rich, if not more rich, than any anybody else's boosters. But they went for it for a year. Uh, it started to backfire horribly. They got commitments to Jimbo Fisher. They got commitments to the staff, all the staff they fired, uh, and all that and all that stuff. And they got no inv- return on their investment, and that not financially, because again, you can't get it that way. But they got almost no wins. <laughs> Of any uh, of any consequence, so it, it it is not just let's just constantly open up the pocketbook and and try to bleed us bleed a certain people or group of people down to zero. Uh, it, it is still free will spending and a contribution, not a, not an investment in that way. So there are limits to people, is what I'm saying. Uh, even if you might feel differently, if you were in that position, some don't, and so. I really think some money moved around, and that's what this kind of thing happens. Like, under no illusion did people – look, relationship building is very important. I get it. And relation building, uh, relationship building could be the difference. It could break a tie. It could be the initial basis and that sort of thing. But when you've got a lot of money on the table, if someone can really one-up somebody and other schools can't match or don't want to match – then look, that's going to be a consideration for some, and I feel very strongly that Auburn got involved with a lot of kids there, uh, and, and and used resources and financial resources very positively in a lot of these cases. And is one of those situations where again, if you've got the number one quarterback in the class, and you promised a certain something to them, and then they depart, that's a lot of resource that has opened up 
that's a lot of resource you can still use. And so I think that's probably what happened there. Uh, I did, for what it's worth yesterday, I did, I did not think Auburn was getting bold in any way. I said as such. Uh, I, I kind of just felt Georgia would swoop in, and then we put the dots together, and they did. But sometimes the money does move around late. And back 10, 15 years ago, it might have been shadier. might have been more on the table. Fine, we'll give you this car. Here you go. Fine. Here's the car. Can we get the commit? You know, it would be done a different way, but it still kind of fell under a lot of the same premises, just supposed to be more under the table, less out in the open. Now we can speak more freewillingly about it. We don't have concrete numbers, but we have concrete ideas. And so I think that that is probably, again, that's where I would go with why that happened so late. Um, and it adds up. But obviously that would have been a huge get for Auburn. It is going to be a position of need. It's going to be a position that we will be monitoring next year with the Tigers as they try to, uh, you know, replace a lot of talent and a lot of a lot of production in the defensive backfield. But uh, but yeah, clearly Bolden was one of those guys that uh, was in the mix for multiple schools until the very end, and then a late offer came in, and that's that's the nature of this thing, and that's that's how it worked out this time. Yeah, I I agree. I I think it was a bidding war, uh, and I I fully believe that. Uh, Hugh Freeze was directly talking about K.J. Bolden when he said that we had a kid that told us up until yesterday, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. I think that's where all the eyeball emojis, all the cryptic eyeball emojis uh, from secondary coach and some of the other coaches and, and even some of the recruits is they were saying that he, you know, he's told the coaching staff he's coming. Uh, and as early as this morning, one of the, um, uh, one of the rivals writers uh, had a prediction of KJ Bolden coming to Auburn, and so I I really think that everybody had it. Everybody was Auburn. I think he was on board with Auburn, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they lost a bidding war. Um, it happens. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, but today, in the the way the transfer portal works, maybe he'll end up being here next year. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, again. I, I laugh at that, but then a lot of forward five-star guys that did not play at Georgia this year did go ahead and transfer yep. to the point where there was, I think, six or seven of them. And then you got half of A&M's remarkable class from a couple of years ago in the portal because Evan Stewart hit the portal yesterday. That was some late-breaking news. And, of course, he's a wide receiver that's going to be highly coveted. So, again, everyone's being recruited all the time now in college athletics. That's, that's just kind of how we are and where we're at right now. We're going to take our first break in the show. Again, a lot more on signing day. Uh, we will be trying to highlight and give you a profile of, of any of, of really all the Auburn guys that committed today if we have time for it. So, again, stay tuned. There's a lot more of that coming up next. And also we'll take your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. To the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this National Signing Day Wednesday. Again, reminder, coming up at 5.15 today, we will have a change of pace with Joe Bartle of Rotowire, talk all things NFL and fantasy football. But again, in the meantime, we will continue to talk all things National Signing Day and also take your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334 337- 887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 First up on the show this afternoon, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Well, I'm doing a little bit better since uh, uh, the assigned day. Uh, it's uh, kind of finally winding down. My, my index finger is worn out from refreshing uh, <laughs> the, the pages on Auburn's website. But thanks for taking my phone call, guys. And I enjoyed your comments. I, I want to follow up on some comments you made about uh, the uh, Bolton scenario. Of course, uh, I think it was you, Tom, that mentioned uh, the freeze quote, you know, I'm coming, I'm coming, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I read that too. And so i got to ask you guys, I heard your comments too, Ryan. Um, you don't think this was a Reuben Foster? Uh, I mean, no, uh, I, I I think Auburn, I, I, I think Georgia outbid Auburn on that one. I think they offered him a little more than Auburn was offering. And, yeah. There may have been some other stuff. I don't know, but I just I think I think they they won a a bidding war for KJ Bolden. Okay, so confirm for me, please. Um, he didn't have AU tattoos on him anywhere, did he? On his body? Yeah, no, not to my knowledge. But I don't oh, I, I don't want to. I honestly don't want to know uh, what all, what all he's got tattooed. That, that's yeah. relief. All right, now I heard your comments, Ryan. Uh, is it McCray? Uh, L.J. McCray? Is it McCray? McCray. Yeah. Yeah. He. He, this morning, apparently decided to delay it. And I've been thinking maybe that's a good sign for Auburn. You don't see it that way, though? Oh, no. I mean, I, I think that, it. if anything, it would be a positive because I, I felt he was the least likely to go to Auburn of, of the five that they were targeting this week. Uh, and to have more time and to see Florida having a, a rough situation, to say the least, I think that improves the odds. I don't think it guarantees anything. I think there could be other schools involved, too. But – uh, no, no. If anything, it helps the chances. I'm just, I'm again, I'm not sure if going from a low chance to you know a, whatever the chance is now. I, again, it's not any sort of guarantee uh, or or any sort of maybe great momentum, but it's certainly a positive. Yeah. Well, I'm feeling hopefully that uh, Mr. McCurry is uh, reading or listening uh, about the comments made from uh, this uh, Amar Marsh Williams that the reason he decided to come to Auburn from Florida because he said of the instability that he was viewing going on in Florida, right? Well, right, and that's something that McCray is going to be evaluating, I'm sure, too. And again, Florida lost about ah, four or so guys today on, on a flips, and and I think that with McCray, what he's going to ask himself and the path I might pre- present to Florida is Florida might have to offer him more NIL money now the problem with that is he still commits anyway. He takes the money this year. They fire Billy Napier after next year. Then he walks anyway into the portal. So you got one freshman season out of him. He got his money, and then he goes somewhere else. So if you're in Florida, it's just a very uncomfortable situation there. So, again, they might pony up. They might keep McRae. Again, I we'll have to see what the reporting all uh, is on all that. But uh, Florida's had a bad day, and, and that, that program continues to struggle right now. Well, give me your take on my thoughts here. You know, the to me, maybe the Bolton thing is not all done with because if he doesn't get any playing time next year, uh, maybe 
we might still get him through the transfer portal. That possibility will always exist now in today's landscape. I don't want to ever bank on that because uh, you, you never – I mean, that's that's so many variables. That's if he's unhappy with not playing. Does someone get injured he ends up playing? Does he fight his way into the mix anyway? Uh, again, there, there's a lot of variables. So I would not start kind of looking at guys that do actually go off to other schools and say, oh, well, maybe we'll maybe we'll reunite here in a year or two. I, I would not think that way. I would only do that uh, if they do end up getting in the portal again at some point. All right. Well, let's stay away from what we didn't get, and let's, let's focus. I'm really excited and happy with the recruits that did commit with us, and it was not a done deal with Mr. Perry Thompson when I was reading – all the comments throughout the day, people in a panic-stricken mode that Alabama was still trying to get him uh, to come back. I don't know if you guys had read any of those comments, but uh, apparently it was kind of touch and go there for a little bit. So I'm I'm, I'm just thankful that uh, Perry decided to stay with us. But did you guys sense that there was a, uh, a back and forth uh, with Alabama trying to get him to, to not uh, uh, back to us? I mean, I, I don't know that it, I don't know how. Uh, I mean, I guess there was a little bit of concern there just because, I mean, Alabama was trying to get back in on him. But uh, I don't know. It kind of it kind of felt like Perry Thompson stayed the course. And, you know, I never really heard anything that from anybody that made it seem like Perry Thompson was even considering that. It was just more okay. of Alabama trying to move in. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 think, controllers. I, I think that Alabama very likely tried. In fact, I know they tried. Nick Saban and, and all those guys went – on an official vi- or went on a home visit to him, but uh, w- was there ever validity or, or real back and forth in Perry's mind? I don't know, but I, I know that I felt pretty confident about it the whole time. And uh, again, and Hugh Freeze alluded to again, if we get to play this audio, everybody can hear it. But but he alluded to some teams that try and, and make dealings last minute or, or last night, and he stays up late, stayed up late, and kind of countering that to a degree. And so, yeah, it's very possible Alabama was trying to up the ante there. But, uh, again, I, in terms of flippage, we'll never know how close it came unless he's uh, unless he's forthcoming about it. But I, I was never worried as much as some people on social media and message boards. All right, well, the overall rankings I've seen, the latest update, although you got something better, ESPN has his number eight in the country. Have you guys seen something different? Yeah, no, that's yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, right. eighth in the country and uh, fourth in the SEC. Is that amazing to be fourth in the SEC but eighth in the nation? No, it happened all the time with Gus Malzahn. Yeah, Gu- I mean, Gus Malzahn would have top ten classes, but be sixth or seventh in the SEC. Yeah, fourth, fifth, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that 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 is usually what happens with with Auburn recruiting is that you go back and look at it, then half the top ten is always SEC schools. And who's number three? I didn't see the SEC. Uh, Texas. Yeah. Texas? Okay. Yeah, right. because right now Georgia's number one. Bama jumped into the number two spot with some late signings. Texas was the third in the SEC, and then Auburn. Uh, I think Oregon was – I think Oregon had the third-ranked class. And it's going to take me, honestly, I can be candid with you, uh, a while before I don't just overlook Texas and Oklahoma because you know, I typically just dismiss them. But I'm going to have to get used to it. Yeah, they're part of the SEC now, right, guys? Yep, that's correct. 100%. All these players will never play down in the Big 12, only in the SEC. Oh, here we go. But overall, I'm ecstatic about how well um, Freeze's coaching staff have done uh, in one season that Arson couldn't do in two seasons, right? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, there, there's uh, the comparison is laughable for sure. 
uh, even what Auburn was able to salvage out of last year's class. I mean, Auburn's class was ranked poorest all year long. Uh, they move on, they they hire Freeze, and again it gets up to what nineteenth, twentieth, wherever it wherever it got to, which is not a win for Auburn in a normal year. But considering they've been the forties, fifties, and sixties all year, I mean, you moved up twenty or thirty spots in a month. I mean that or less than a month, honestly. Uh, then you could already see the recruiting acumen was right back to it. And uh, Freeze stated today his goal for this class was top ten. His goal for next class is top five, and so. Uh, he has fulfilled this top 10 goal. There's still more room to grow. If they get one of the five stars, either McCray or Ryan Williams down the line, I think it will knock in the top five. Even if they get Cohen Eccles and, and maybe favor Edwin or something, both get both offensive linemen, it'll it'll scoot it up a little bit. Maybe not fifth, but it might move it up to sixth or so. So that they still even have a, a little bit more upside to this. Yeah. All right. Move real quickly, guys. Uh, just uh, to the basketball game. I know it's over and done with, but there were two times I said, "Really? They're gonna call that?" Uh, but I want to see if you guys saw it differently. But during the game, we called. We got called twice. One I think was Dylan Cardwell was called for it, uh, and the other may have been Janai Broom for a hook. Oh no! I the the hook that they called him Broom. I, I believe. If I'm remembering that play right, I think it was a hook, was it not? I, I thought. Uh, I mean, on both times, I thought they were both just falling down and inadvertently, you know, caught each other's arms. But I mean, did you think those those uh, penalties were legitimate called? Yeah, it, I, I've got an image of of Broom hooking somebody in my head, but uh, I I, th- I thought that that was a correct call. I'm, I may be thinking of something else. Again, Steve, you can point – I'm going to tell you that you can point to one or two calls every single game to be displeased with, but I, I'm really – I'm not going to get – I'm not going to give much ire to referees when Auburn shot seven more free throws in USC. Is it, I, again, you can find a couple here and there for sure uh, that didn't go one team's way, but I, I didn't watch that game thinking, man, I hated the officials today. Okay, well, I just thought there was a bit more than then they call, I think it was still called, they call it technical on it in addition to that. And I don't know what that was about either. Dylan Cardwell was not called. The only technical foul that was called during the game was uh, one on uh, Chad Baker Mazzara right yeah, at the start of the second right. half. You're right. You're right, Brooks. Yeah. And I didn't know uh, what, what qualified for him to get a technical on that one. But anyway, um, that's over and done with. So, uh, guys, I don't really have any more else to say. I thank you for taking my time. Uh, I look forward to hearing the broadcast you're going to do later on, uh, Mr. Uh, Hugh Freeze, right? Uh, yes, sir. We're planning on airing that here in the 4 o'clock hour. Yep. Okay. And tomorrow's a full day as well and Friday? Uh, yes, sir. Full days. And then, again, we're off next Monday and then have a best of next Tuesday. Okay. Well, y'all have a safe afternoon and evening, guys. And thank you again also for uh, the uh, the things that you do behind the scenes that make the show as good as it is. Uh, I, I hope that you guys get recognized for that uh, by your management again, because uh, I put in my two cents worth or five cents worth due to inflation on your Facebook <laughs> page. So I, I put it in writing, 20% raise for you guys across the board and a Christmas bonus. So uh, I put the pressure on management. Hi, <laughs> guys. Have a safe afternoon and War Eagle. War Eagle. Appreciate that phone call, Steve. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. And, uh, yeah, again, there were uh, a number of – Again, recruiting items in that one, and uh, the Tigers rank favorably. They have beaten a couple of teams that sometimes beat them in the recruiting rankings, like a Florida, who is having a, a come apart today. Florida was ahead yeah. entering the last couple of days. They were having a top five class. In fact, 
Uh, if you look at it, so I've been using on three stuff. That's no secret. But they're seventh in on three, Auburn is, nationally. And average-wise, again, just taking the average recruiting ranking, Auburn is fourth. Uh, just, so, again, it's just a numbers game why they're not in the top five. They, they were average caliber rating is the fourth best in the country. It was fifth coming into this week, and the other school that was ahead of them was Florida. And now Florida has lost so many, they've dropped into the teens now in the rankings, and they have obviously their average star rating has gone down too. Uh, but So they've out-recruited Florida, they've out-recruited LSU, uh, maybe that's the cycle. Maybe that'll be a, tr- a trend that continues. We'll see. Uh, but again, Auburn, no stranger to the top 10, uh, maybe just a little bit higher upside on a couple of these top prospects. And still, uh, as mentioned with Steve, the possibility that you could still get one or two more big names by the time this is done. And speaking of that, two minutes ago, Zach Etheridge posted on Twitter. We're not done yet. We're not done yet with the eyeball emojis. You just, you know, social media is the best and the worst thing uh, ever, ever created. Uh, I'm going to focus on the worst right here. It, it, it gives something that was already a frenzy a more frenetic pace. Yeah. It was already vicious rumors, vicious uh, back and forth and speculation in the recruiting. Uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Now, with social media, and again, people can say anything, and people often do say anything, and then people will believe anything, you can get something started real quick. Now, again, this this is not this is not anti-Zach Etheridge, okay, just to be clear. Uh, if Zach Etheridge is tweeting something like that, I'm going to take far more stock into it than Billy Bob, who you know, is saying that he has an unnamed source that knows a guy that heard of a guy that saw a guy that said he's going to so-and-so, you know, so you have to be careful with all that stuff. Uh, But man, it makes it more frenetic Uh, with with everything that recruiting already is. uh, It it is, it is something else. We're going to go ahead and go to our next timeout of the show. When we come back, we will wrap up hour number one by telling you about the top three or four or five guys that did commit to Auburn officially. These guys were already committed to the Tigers. They made it official today. We'll talk about them next on the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Tiger 334-887-3401. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian Lavoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Seven or eight more minutes left here in our number one as we transition into more recruiting. And that is the guys no that have way. signed for what? Auburn. <laughs> you may have heard, today was a big day. Uh, so we've already kind of given you some thoughts on some guys that are still to come. So let's get to the guys that are for sure going to the Plains. And we'll start off with Cam Coleman of Central yeah. Phoenix City, the consensus five-star. You love five-star when, plus. Five-star plus, yes. <laughs> some people put pluses on there, depending on the site. He's no lower than eight, and that is on 247 site. He is as high as fifth on both rivals and on three. I think there is great agreement on the acumen of Cam Coleman. And again, Auburn able to get him officially. Not technically a flip. He, I guess it was. Well, he, yeah, I, mean, he, I guess he kind of decommitted and then went on Auburn. So it just was not as recent. But uh, was committed to A&M for a while. The coaching staff there changed. And then Auburn was constantly in on him. And they land uh, what many hope will be the true difference maker here. Yeah, uh, I think I saw a third highest rated player ever. To... Second. Oh, Se- second. Depends on the site. Okay. But 247 is second behind Byron Cowart. Yeah, uh, that didn't work out so high. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, Cam Coleman works out better than Byron Cowart. Um, yeah, Byron Cowart, when Cowart came here, he was the number one overall player in yeah. the country. It's That might be something that lives for a very, very long time. Yeah. Like, you might always see that Byron Cowart might always be the highest rate Auburn play ever. And it's like, well, he was pretty decent for Maryland <laughs> and yeah. making the NFL out of Maryland. Yeah. Not much here. But anyway. I didn't even realize he made it to the NFL. Yeah, he did. It was Patriots, Patriots. for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Wow. Don't worry, it wasn't like uh, unbelievable or anything, but yeah, he did make it. Yeah, hmm. I just remember hearing the stories about him in practice, how the walk-ons were going up against him <laughs> because they and he would like cry at practices and all. Anyway, enough about Byron Coward. He's he's no longer part of the story. Well, Cam he's Coleman, classmate Byron, Byron Coward, by the way. Oh, nice. Wow. Um, but uh, Cam Coleman, six three, uh, one hundred ninety pounds. Uh, he's gonna. Fill out. I mean, 190 pounds at six three. He's going to fill out more, so he will be bigger than 190. Um, he's an incredible talent, and everybody's known he's been an, uh, was going to be an incredible talent. Uh, thought Auburn was going to get him. All the crystal balls had him going to Auburn uh, originally, and all of a sudden it was Texas A&M, and everybody around Auburn was like, "Wait, what the heck just happened?" And, uh, yeah, unfortunately for Auburn, coaching changes there happened, and they stayed in on him, and they got him. And for anybody that watched Central Phoenix City this year, they know that he is the real deal. Uh, he's got a, an amazing, amazing catch radius. Uh, he's got the speed. He's obviously got the height at 6'3", where he can go up and get the balls. Um, he's just he, – he's a great wide receiver, and he is a – day one starter type guy and in a major position of need everybody has known that 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 wide receiver group here at Auburn was was not good and so uh bringing him into that that's that's huge in more ways than one and then of course also you pair him with with again going off on three the second highest rate recruit and again some services are different 
And so okay, so Waller is really high in one. Riddick is really high in one. But consensus on the on three, aggregating all four sides. Perry Thompson, the number two highest rated commit for Auburn this year, the number 30 player uh, in the class overall. Again, he is somewhere in the 20s or 40s with, with uh, or 50s on, on three, but as high as 26 on 247, 40s with ESPN rivals. So, again, Brooks, you get Perry Thompson out of Foley. Uh, that's your neck of the woods. Yeah, we won't hold it against him when he went to Foley High School. <laughs> and uh, and Cam Coleman, two big receivers capable of playing the outside in big time college football for years to come. Absolutely, and it was a it's you know a real position that you looked at and you really needed. I, I, I know you know when we when Hugh Freeze first got on campus last year, we had the discussion: what are the two biggest needs? And really, we went into the, going into the season, we had this discussion: what are the two biggest needs on this Auburn football team? I think everybody was in agreement. It's the offensive line and the wide receiver room. Well, Auburn is, is getting better in that wide receiver room today. You've got four guys signing, uh, and it's not just you know Perry Thompson and Cam Coleman. Uh, it, you, you've also got uh, Bryce Kane, and you've got Malcolm Simmons coming from uh, Ben Russell. You've got you've got some guys coming in that are really really cool or really really uh, uh, high level wide receivers uh, into this class, um, and they're going to make that receiver room. Even better, you've got a guy coming in from Georgia State that adds a little bit of, of uh, it, maybe not the same accolades as these high school kids, but adds a little bit of veteran depth to that wide receiver room too. I'd like to see him go out and get maybe another veteran wide receiver in the portal, uh, but this is this is really uh, a, a big step in the right direction because you know you, you look at it. And I know a lot of people have been um, have been uh, you know down on Peyton Thorne at, at quarterback. Uh, here this year, when you've got these types of weapons starting to put around him, that's when you're going to see what type of quarterback he is because you're you're going to see him get out there and have have guys to actually throw it to that are that are capable of going up and making the making the catch. Like Tom, you you meant, you talked about Ken Coleman. You know, a, a lot of people around here, not just because he played at Phoenix City, but because he played Auburn High School twice this year, really know what they what they're capable what he's capable of doing. Um, you you look at Perry Thompson. Uh, he he's a guy that you you look at the film, you look at some of the clips you see on on social media. He he's a game changing type of wide receiver too. And so you you were getting this wide receiver room is starting to turn things uh, turn things in the right direction. You're starting to get some really high level recruits. And this class, you know, you look at this class and everyone's like, oh, this is a great class. Well, now now you've got this this high level wide receivers. Uh, joining this this Auburn team this year, that's going to lead uh, to more high level wide receivers joining down the road because they're going to see you know it, it you're you're going to have other high school guys look and say, hey, this is a place that I can go, and other top level wide receivers are trusting them to to develop me and get me to the to the NFL or get you know get me to a to a better spot in my game. Well, now I want to go there too, and so it, it this this class uh, really really starts a domino effect of. Other guys looking at this class and saying they they are doing something. These guys are onto something. Let me go take a visit there. Look, check this out, and then you really start to reel in some of those top five, top ten classes going forward, like Hugh Freeze really wants to do. And again, we we get talking about a lot of these kids, and also a natural question is, which we talk about from time to time, is okay, who can actually contribute right away? Because it's one thing to be a five star or high four star player, that sort of thing, but do you play a position in which you are able to play? right away either due to physicality or to need and that sort of thing. And, and these two, especially Coleman, I would tell you, they're playing and probably starting 
right away uh, because this is the huge need for Auburn. These guys are highly rated. Thompson's a top ten receiver, as high as seven. Cam Coleman is number one or number two receiver, depending on where you look. I would just simply ask you, if you are that highly rated and you are going to a school that has this big of a need, who if, if not them, who would play your freshman year? Like These are the type of guys that do play. One of these guys at least will start, I'm going to boldly predict there. And, again, it's it's just like no offense to anybody else on this roster. I know some guys are departing, so I'll give you one that departed. It's just like you can't say the sentence out loud and, and make it make sense where it's like, you know, I don't need to see Perry Thompson yet. I really just need some more gyre shorter. You know, or, or I know Malcolm Johnson Jr. is in the portal. Somebody that's back is Camden Brown. Like, you got to play Camden Brown more. It's like, well, I, I liked his potential too. He did get on the field more. It was cool. It was great. but Or it was something. But you've got Cam Coleman as the number two player, number three, or number four player in the class, number one or two receiver. You got Perry Thompson, top 40 player, top 10 receiver. You got these guys for a reason. You've got mass exits in the portal for a reason. And it's the moment to play some of these guys. And so they'll have a couple other pieces. They're going to have Fairweather back. They're going to have – Jay Fair back, again, assuming – we know Fairweather's coming back. He said it. I will right. assume Jay Fair will come back. Uh, and then you, i not heard anything on Caleb Burton. Again, you got to just assume some things at times. But th- these guys are all going to factor in pretty quickly. And, and especially with a guy like Coleman and Thompson, y- you want them to factor in right away and go ahead and start giving you something – uh, they don't have to be the best version of themselves. They, they don't have to go for a thousand yards in the freshman year. That's not what we're saying, but there needs to be some moments, and Auburn will definitely lean on them to have some moments where it's like, "Yep, that's that's why you are who you are," and we're glad to have you. Looks like Florida lost another guy. All right, well that'll be something else. Three three minutes ago, four-star wide receiver Isaiah Williams flips from Florida to oh, Texas, Texas A&M. A&M. No, they, they lost him earlier. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, he's been <laughs> on three. He's just putting that up there three minutes ago. He, so. He's been, he's been lost. They found him in College Station. <laughs> uh, certainly not finding many folks in Gainesville today. The oil. Any, anyway, uh, that'll do it for hour number one. Coming up in hour number two, we will have more on Auburn's commitments. Also, some audio from Hugh Freeze. And in hour number three, Joe Bartle of Roto Wire will join us. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here. 
Again, a full show today after a couple shows of not having uh, the entirety of the program. We had Border on High School basketball last couple of days. Appreciate Tim Sin and the guys for going out there, as well as Brooks Childress on Monday and being a part of that. And, uh, again, we'll be back with more high school basketball action come the new year. Uh, but, again, full three hours today. Coming up at 5.15, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire will join us to talk some NFL and fantasy football. And coming up in just a little bit, we'll play the Hugh Freeze press conference audio from earlier today. Let you hear what the head man had to say about this 2024 class and beyond. We are going through some of the big names in the class right now. Whenever the wide receivers in the previous segment, if you missed that, go check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Let's look linebacking room now, guys, because that's where some of the next biggest commits come from. This guy was asked about in the press conference today, Demarcus Riddick, a little bit, or or I guess Joe Phillips and Demarcus Riddick, really the whole linebacking room. Riddick, the number 50 player overall in the class, as high as number 33 on rivals, as low as number 93 on on three. Again, it gets, goes to show you all, all sites. There's not, at least this year, I can't speak the past years. I don't know. Some people swear there are certain sites out to get certain teams, but it is a mix of, of – of analysis here and this one is rivals having riddick as the highest again up to number 33 there but then you also got to look at some guys like joe phillips number 94 player nationally as high as number 98 on on three again some of this grades out that way because some guys have bigger peaks and valleys in their ratings so they average out lower that sort of thing that's why he could be a little bit higher and the conglomerate than on any one site. But number 94 for Joe Phillips, the linebacker, the excuse me, the edge out of Booker T. Washington. Then Jamonte Waller. Again, this is a kid that is fascinating too because he's number 109 industry-wise. And again, talk about different sites, different measures. On three as a four-star guy, but he doesn't have a national ranking assessed to him. He's all the way up to number 18 on ESPN and is a five-star player. So, again, he averages out in the 100s because on three does not have him rated uh, in there. I guess they're on three, 300. But then he's top 75 on the other three sites, including a five-star on ESPN. So there's some real dudes in this linebacking room. Again, mainly Waller, Phillips, and uh, Demarcus Riddick there. Uh, so wide receivers and linebackers clearly highlighting this Hugh Freeze class. And, and then you have the surprise transfer that uh, from, uh, from, Duke, yeah. from Dorian Mossy. Yep. That uh, that just kind of came out yeah, of nowhere. That was just a. Hey, by the way, we got a power yeah. five linebacker day, sixty tackles last year. All right, cool, awesome, great. Here's our linebacking room. Yeah, yeah, that was out of the blue. So, um, I think uh, there's a lot of them to to like on here, but uh, you know, Demarcus Riddick is is the one that I, I think everybody really kind of singles out is is a guy that can be a force on, on that defense. Uh, I know at one point he had. A five stars, and then you you talked about you know dropping, uh, or it seems like sites are out to get guys. I mean, there's this whole thing about Auburn. It's like, oh, committed to Auburn and drops a star. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, but I mean, he has he has been listed before as a five star, uh, but now it's like a consensus four um, out of Chilton County um, High School, six three, two hundred twenty pound linebacker. Uh, I mean, he's he's supposed to be the real deal. And, uh, you know, the other thing that you look at, uh, we've talked about this before with some of these guys, is, is 
who else offered him? Who who did Auburn beat out? And I mean, Riddick is one of those that Alabama was trying to get him. Uh, a lot he had of had been committed to Georgia, right? Had been committed to Georgia, so obviously Georgia was trying to get him. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, he he's a guy that's going to be able to come in here and be a player, and and then. Uh, you know, you 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 go through here and look, and then uh, Joe Phillips was another one. Uh, Auburn won a huge recruiting battle with him because there was a lot of thought that Joe Phillips was going to go to Georgia. Um, uh, Phillips is the uh, kid from Booker T. Washington uh, over here in Tuskegee, 6'2", 240-pound linebacker. And, uh, yeah, I mean, his recruiting, everybody seemed to think that he was going to Georgia, which means that Georgia was recruiting him, and he decided to – pick Auburn over Georgia so they won a big recruiting battle they, they won two huge recruiting battles for linebackers over Georgia uh, the team that has got the number one class in the country right now and Auburn won those recruiting battles for them so uh, uh, you know another another area of need um, with guys departing and it's great I, I'm, I'm excited but you know Riddick I think is the one that everybody's kind of looking at is like that's the guy that's going to be big time linebacker for the for the future Brooks your thoughts on linebackers defensive front here again getting Amaris Williams today too if you want to add him in defensive end type of guy uh, maybe they'll try to bulk him up again there's there's some weight changes that will be notable usually uh, guys up front uh, will usually add and subtract a good bit in their first off season because there's a new training uh, regimen and, and there's an idea of where a team wants a, a kid to play and fit in. But uh, again, there's really strong linebacking room specifically. Yeah, uh, you know, like you mentioned that Maris Williams. I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but winning a uh, flipping him from another SEC school is big, but also winning a, a battle for that flip with Ohio State uh, is, is huge. And so you bring in a guy uh, like Amaris Williams, uh, who, who 247 has rated as the top overall recruit from the state of North Carolina, that's big. You go up there and you pull the top recruit from that state uh, that's got a lot of football talent in it. Uh, you, that, that, is, that, is, that is big right there. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, Jamonte Waller, uh, another big, uh, big recruit there out of the state of Mississippi going in and, and getting him to, to bring, uh, bring him over across the state line. And that linebacking room, uh, you know, there, there's not much more I could say about Riddick uh, than, than what uh, what's already been said. He's one of the top uh, uh, linebackers, uh, linebacker recruits of this class. Uh, you, uh, as you said, Tom, just look at who was recruiting him. Uh, everybody, everybody wanted this kid, and so Auburn was able to win that battle. Uh, Joe Phillips, the the linebacker from uh, from uh, BTW down in Tuskegee. It's uh, it, it big get, and, and I'll tell you what, you, you look at what he did uh, this year, uh, Booker T. Washington, uh, and I know a lot of people around here are, are familiar with the program, but they, uh, they had a historic season in football this year, and he was a big part of it, uh, got them to deep into that AHSA playoffs, some, somewhere they'd never been before, um, and so he, they were, he was a big part of that team to, to get them that far, beat some really good uh, 4A teams this year, and so a guy like that, a guy uh, winning, winning that battle uh, with Georgia was big, but especially winning a battle with Georgia for a guy that is in your backyard, I, you know, you, you look at 
you know, the past few years. I, I know one of the big uh, talking points has been Auburn going down to Phoenix City and losing some of those recruiting battles to Phoenix City kids to to Georgia and to Clemson and, and, and big t- schools like that. Well, now you're starting to win those battles locally. You look at this, and, and you know, I'll take a look at the, the entire class. There's 12 guys in this class from the state of Alabama. Uh, and there's quite a few, you know, mentioned Joe Phillips from, from BTW. You had Cam Coleman from uh, Phoenix City. You had uh, Malcolm Simmons from uh, uh, Benjamin, Benjamin Russell, Russell just up the road. You're winning some of these big battles with for guys right here in your backyard. And that's something that, you know, you, you saw, uh, and like I mentioned, you, you saw Auburn struggle with the past few years, and especially you saw struggle with one under Brian Harson, where there was just not that, that uh that relationship that he had built with the local high schools, Hugh Freeze is going out and and building those relationships with these local coaches. And this first class, it's paying dividends. You've got three pretty high level guys from inside your backyard that you are not letting get away from from your sphere of influence. And and that's that's big. And you know, especially on that defensive side of the ball, when you you've got guys like that coming here and playing for the for the uh, staying home and playing for Auburn. Yeah. I was going to say Malik Blockton from Pike Road. True. Uh, uh, another one, and, and you know, lost a guy from Pike Road who was uh, now one of the uh, best running backs in the SEC at Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I look. I understand people talk about Judkins a lot. My yeah. my stance is still great evaluation on their part, but also if you at the time some things at the time just don't aren't on the table for you. And I believe he was a three star guy. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but if you yeah. if I think he was a three star guy, and it's like. Auburn's not the only one that missed. I know Auburn oh, yeah. is remorseful about it because Pike Road's pretty close to here, but uh, a whole bunch of people missed. The, the evaluators missed. Everybody missed. So I, I don't really beat uh, one particular team up when a three-star guy pans out and looks more like a four- or five-star guy because uh, that means a whole lot of people missed and, and not a lot of people had him high up on the board. But that's also a good reminder, though, that, yes, for every uh, – every five-star and every big-time player that you get, it's not every single player that is good is a five- or four-star player. And you right. have plenty of those success stories uh, that are not in, in five- or four-star guys. So you, you can't overlook some of these guys, too. You're right, blocked in out of Opelika. Uh, they're on that defensive line, too. Uh, or, on yeah, on the defensive line as well. Uh, you know, that's, that's another guy where – he could be um, could be a player, you know. And again, we'll look at the size type of deal because him at six three two fifty five out of Pike Road. I mean, obviously, you got to determine what kind of position you want to be uh, and that sort of thing. But I uh, know that that certainly is uh, a possibility that a guy like that does step up. And there's other guys that you know. Again, you get into the different sites. There might be a three star on two or three of the sites. Might be a four on one. Uh, and it just uh, it, it varies from evaluator to evaluator, but we'll work our way through some of those other guys in the class for sure here uh, in just a few minutes. But for now, we want to go ahead and take our first break of hour number two. And on the other side of this break, we will be airing that Hugh Freeze press conference audio from earlier day. Let you hear uh, what the head coach had to say about this enti- the entirety of the class. I think he mentioned just about everybody in the class. Uh, and, and had some evaluations to some of these guys and also about the goals moving forward, not only with the rest of this 24 class, but also with 2025. So he Freeze coming up next. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Uh, first, just uh, thanks to our staff and um, so many that uh, contribute to the recruiting process. And it's not just the people in this building, it's the academic support staff, our administration, um, the student body when we're on campus and have activities. Uh, so many people pitch in, the pilots, um, just, just so many people pitch in to uh, contribute to the efforts that go into recruiting. And it's uh, it's a it's a large, large, large task, and it takes everybody from personnel to the recruiting staff and obviously the uh, the coaches that are involved um, in the actual on-the-ground recruiting. So I thought the effort that was put into uh, trying to make our first class here a, a top-ten class, which was our goal. I don't know where we stand with that. I can't keep up with all of that, but uh, that was our goal is in year one to – to, to have a top ten class and then in year two to have a top five class and um, and that is the way I think you start uh, building a, a program that is able to stack itself upon each other and create a competitiveness among the the roster that uh, drives you to to chase a standard every day that's needed to win in this conference and so um, just thanks to all the people that um, that that pitched into that and it takes obviously the people that have helped fund this building and the the facilities and the resources we have. It's all um, a part of of the of the journey. So thankful for the effort. I think uh, I couldn't have asked any more out of the effort that it took to try in a short amount of time to to get into the battles for the top guys. Because truthfully, the elite schools are always you know, a couple years ahead, and um, we had to close the gap on on a lot uh, to get in those battles. We didn't win all of them, um, but we sure were in them, and um, I think that speaks to the, the the effort we put into building relationships with so many. So um, excited about this class. Uh, we focused on the high school class. I said that in our press conference the other day. I don't know that that's the right approach, but it's certainly uh, – I did not want to – I wanted them to feel like they're the priority. And um, so we did not uh, chase hard in, in portal um, on everyone that could play, and there was a lot that could because we were just committed to uh, making sure that our high school class felt like they were the priority of, of us establishing the true rebuild here at Auburn. And now we'll go from here, and hopefully they'll be – uh, the missing pieces that uh, that we did not land, uh, we we will hope that uh, we can find them either between now and uh, the spring term or um, after the the spring uh, practice and and that portal opens again. We'll see what happens then with what our needs will be at that time. So excited about the class, obviously 
just thrilled with the effort, and I really believe that the young men that we've signed and the families they come from, um, I love these kids. I, I love them as, as individuals. I think they're genuine. I think they want to help a program uh, reestablish itself as one of the elite programs in the country, and and I think they love to work at it and excited to, to get a lot of them here soon and go to work. Hey, Hugh, just how much effort went into keeping the guys that were committed versus going out and trying to flip guys from other places? Uh, it was both. I mean, you can't. It, listen, last night it was uh, – there's some schools in this conference that uh, they, they, they believe in last night efforts. And um, – and what you know, you gotta you gotta fight, and you gotta hold on, and you gotta stay up all night and play video games and do stuff that's out of my comfort zone. And um, but you you just you know there was there was some late night pushes, and we won, held on some, and won one, and lost one. And um, people in this conference are good at what they do, and. Um, I don't always like what is done, but it's uh, it's it's you know you got to just you got to have plans and you got to fight for it. And um, but it was both. I mean, it's you got to try to hold on to your good ones and all of yours, and then trying to win a few battles at the end on some some kids that are undecided. Coach, you guys attacked the skill positions really hard in this class. You had a lot of good successes, um, but so many games are, are won and lost in the trenches. Can you talk about offensive line recruiting in this class and, and how you guys plan to fill some holes you may have coming up there? Yeah, we're uh, – uh, that was that was one position in the uh, in the portal that we knew we probably needed a few, and we didn't get the, the, the two guys that we – kind of focused on in the portal um and you know the i love the two that we have deandre and seth i think seth was named yesterday first team all-american something that we saw in him and um obviously deandre we think is just one of the i think he's going to be an nfl uh, inside guard center and love him as a kid so i think um i think we got two really good ones there committed and um there's still there's still one out there we're battling for or two that we're battling for truthfully and then we'll go from there and uh hopefully they'll be the ones we um if we need more we'll certainly uh hopefully there'll be a few that go in the portal that we can try to get in on but there's no question that uh, that that one that one position's been the biggest um, challenge for me to try to figure out and uh, for Jake to try to figure out. So we're uh, we're still trying to figure that one out. Truthfully, okay, yeah, thanks, uh, Hugh. Uh, you took time off from working on the offense or in offensive game planning to focus on recruiting. How does it feel now that you know this class is kind of kind of. Fruition. I'm. Uh, I, I think that we. Well, to start. So Walker White, I think is going to be a star. Um, I think he's got all the attributes of what a quarterback should look like. I think he's a true Auburn man. Um, obviously, you don't know how he's, um, how quick he will uh, adjust to this game. But I think he's got all the skill sets to do that. And then you move to where. It's no no secret we needed to get some difference makers at the receiver position. 
and to land two of the top ten in the nation in Perry and Cam and then two others in that I think are sleepers. I mean, but they're both are ranked in what the top 150 in the country um, in Bryce and Malcolm. Um, I think we've gone a, a, a now. They're going to have to get thrown in the deep end of the pool and 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 swim pretty fast. But I think they have that ability, and um, you know, it changes our offense if we have guys like that on the outside and in the slot that can make plays. And I've seen them do it. I'm reminded when we started rebuilding Ole Miss. Um, that first full class, just like this first full class, we talked to a guy by the name of Laquan Treadwell in coming with us, and uh, it, it changed the way we called games. And uh, I feel the same about getting the the Cam and Perrys and, and Malcolms and Bryces. So, you know, you, you combine Walker with, with those, um, I think we did pretty good at the skill positions. So I think the time I chose to – to maybe spend away from the offensive side of the ball, it, it paid some dividends there. And for sure, I would argue that we have – I don't – I don't. again, I can't keep up with all the rankings and polls and stuff, but I would argue that our receiver class and our linebacker class has to be two of the, the top in the country. Um, I don't know how they rank that or anything, but if you take Waller and Phillips and Riddick and Barber – um, I would I would venture to guess that we we rival most any linebacker class that was signed from the high school ranks, along with the receiver rankings. So, um, also excited about our DBs with Faustin and Mon Lane and Jalen Crawford and Laquan Robinson. And, um, am I forgetting somebody there? And Caleb Harris, who's really physical and um we need that so and then d-line i think you know between tj Lindsay and malik blockton and um jamonte waller and um gauge keys and i think we're we're improving ourselves there we're still looking for um for a little more help there also but Really pleased with the linebackers. And then we have we have Darren Mossy also from uh, from Duke at linebacker. This uh, very experienced guy, and um, that is signed with us also. So we're uh, we're 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 steadily building, and so I'm pleased for the time that I took away. I think it did pay dividends. You mentioned a few a few spots where you're still battling for. You have any idea of just round? round number as to what you expect total number when the dust settles by Friday and then how many you'd have uh, available in the spring? Well, availability today is that number moves constantly because of the freedom that players have uh, today. And so it's hard for me to say what's available and what's not. But as far as the number for Friday, I don't even know what number we're at right now. But uh, Ethan... We're at 24 right now, but, um, I mean, we're in some battles for, for three kids left that I know of, and um, I don't know that every all of them will sign today or not, but um, we're, we're in some battles there, and then uh, there's a few portal guys that we have an interest in. Um, 
but um, so I, I really don't know what the number would be at the end of Friday. You talked about the wide receiver group. Obviously, had a transfer in there as well. But when you yeah, I forgot about Robert Lewis, who I think is a really, really solid player that gives us some experience and the good that he'll be here in the spring. How valuable is it to have? I mean, you got lots of different types of guys. I mean, you got big, physical, small, fast. I mean, how valuable is that to have different players that can fit in different spots? Well, I like length and catch radius, um, so I'm glad that we've added some of that. I don't mind small kids, um, but I just don't think you can have too many of them in this league. And, you know, I think now we're, we've got Jay Fair and we've got Bryce Kane, and I think those are two guys that can play in this league. And um, and then the others have all have some link to them. Hugh, how important was Joe Phillips kind of being a spark for those summer months going into Big Cat and getting a big win to kind of get you all going there? Yeah, I thought uh, – I can't remember the exact time frame, but I thought he and Riddick uh, jumping in there when they had, you know, to battle people like Georgia and Alabama for those guys and uh, for us to hold on to them. I think we signed 12 guys from the state of Alabama, which is which is big because we want to we win this state. And I don't know if we won the state this year or not. I don't know how that's determined, but uh, we cert- certainly would like to in the future. Um, of winning our share, if not more than our share in this state. And I thought Joseph and um, and Riddick really helped kind of kickstart that. Yeah. Hugh, you, a lot of your guys are a lot of the, bear, the, the big prospects were guys that were committed elsewhere uh, in the SEC, some big-name programs. As a staff, just what did it take for you all to, you know, overcome some of that against these schools that, like you said earlier, have, have a couple years head start recruiting some of these guys? Yeah, I think it's just, just uh, time and effort and getting them to campus as many times as you can and seeing if they can't feel a different feel about here as opposed to other places. Look, um, every, every individual has a criteria of how they make decisions and and what is going to be the the motivating factor um, in their decision, and I think um, we're probably not going to. We're obviously not going to win all of those, um, but we just got to win our share. And I think just putting enough time and effort into the right type of kid and family that we know fits here, uh, we we got a really good shot at doing that. The ones that may not really fit here. Um, you know, we're probably not going to be as successful with in in turning their head toward here in that short amount of time. So I thought we were pretty um, wise about the targets that we felt like, man, this 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 kid and family will resonate with the Auburn culture, the Auburn family, the Auburn feel. Let's let's invest our time in those. One of those SEC flip guys was a was a was a Cam Coleman. I, that was obviously a really wild recruiting process. Kind of, what did, kind of effort did that take from you guys from from uh, from Marcus to, to to pull that one off? Yeah, I don't know if uh, all of our staff put in great effort, but Marcus Davis, he he, he had to spend extra extra time um, because of the number of of kids we were trying to sign there too, and 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 the ranking of them. But we, uh, I mean, when Cam made his commitment to another school, we just immediately said, look, that's fine, but we're not going to waver. 
and we are not going away, and we are going to fight to the end, and we'll prove to you that, uh, that we want you more, that we obviously feel like you're a difference maker here, and um, we, just, we just were relentless of, of making sure he understood that. And obviously it helped that uh, the other school had a coaching change, but um, I'd like to think we were going to win it anyway, but I don't know if that's the case or not, but I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Here, there are different types of high school recruits. You've got guys that have been committed since since day one, like Walker White. You have guys that you pick up along the way, and then you have flips on National Signing Day. How exciting is it to have? <clears throat> excuse me. How exciting is it to have some of those guys that you flip from big name programs on a day like today? How is, exciting is that for you and your staff? Well, that's more of a relief. I mean, you you you'll be excited. I mean, you're excited when you watch it and then you're like, thank you, Lord, you know, cause it, you know, some of them, they go quiet on you sometimes and you wonder and, um, you know, are the paper, the papers in on the last one? Um, but like, I mean, to get a Maris, I mean, what is he? The number 37th player in the country, 34, 34th player in the country. Um, that's pretty big. I think he's a one heck of an athlete and um, loved getting to know him. And my home visit with him and his mom was incredible. And um, we were behind, obviously, but Coach Garrett did a great job just staying in it, staying in it, staying in it. And, um, you know, but that's a difference maker type of kid. Um, you get, you get, the 34 ranked player in the country, and that should bump us up in rankings, I would think. But um, I just, you know, those are rewarding. At the same time, you think you've done all to to flip another one, and then all of a sudden he goes another direction. Uh, you know, those you you just take them in stride. Really, you know, you gave your best, and um, two days ago was told that you know I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming, and then. You know, today it changes, and, um, you know, those are always disappointing because you put great effort in theirs, but you, we've done this long enough to where those are going to happen. And so you just you just keep fighting and keep battling, and hopefully you win more than your share um, to get us up there where we have some elite classes to start stacking on top of each other. Coach, just kind of circling back with, with more specificity on, on first question, what did you find was the most effective message in recruiting this cycle? I mean, was it opportunity? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, NIL has become a, a part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, you talked about kids having the resources to bless kids, but not wanting that to come with entitlement. No, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally opposed to the entitlement syndrome. That, uh, And I tell them that. I just say, look, if um, – Truthfully, if if every, truthfully if I had my way, which I I wouldn't, and I'm sure there's something, but I'd just assume everybody, whatever NIL agreement they have, it would be all all be the same for your level of classification uh, on the on the base, and then everything else is incentive. Uh, you play you play in 30 snaps, man. You get this. You win a game, you get this. Man, I would love to see people have to earn and and strive to move themselves up and 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 do that but that's they don't ask me and and that, so it, it is what it is so that that's certainly part of the game and you know we're only allowed to give them a range but um that 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 we would see them valued at 
But I really think that it's uh, the, the, the selling pitch is, look, this place has played for two national championships. Yeah, it hadn't been as recent as some of the other elite, but there's only in, what, 12 or 13 years, only six schools that can say that, and this is one of them. All right, so, yes, you can go to the elite right now and you can help them sustain, and there's nothing wrong with that. You could also choose that you want to be a trailblazer and do something different and join together with a group of guys and return a program that's proven it can be there and return it back to that. And that is the message along with the environment that we have. Um, does it fit you? And if the environment fits you to where you would want to show up every day here and work, because it is work, it's a full-time job, um, and you're motivated by the opportunity to do something early and help us restore something at a place that the, pa the passion of the fans and the support of uh, our people is got to be as good as everywhere else, then this might be the place for you. And so that's the, that's the message. Uh, starting with his commitment, I think, last December, Walker White has been huge in keeping people in touch, helping recruit, had that jacket on with the Freeze 5 or whatever yeah. it's called. How critical has his help been in this process? Well, it's uh, he's just been so consistent in, in trying to continue to recruit uh, his team. You know, and that's what you need. You need a couple of those. You know, Keontae Scott, Jalen Simpson, they, um, Austin Keys, Damari Austin, those are just to mention a few. You know, those are guys that are pitching in doing the same too. But for Walker to – he took kind of the ownership and, and leadership of, hey, let's put together a, a top ten class. That's what we said we wanted. And he jumped in and certainly tried every way in the world to, to help us do that. Yes, uh, Coach Freeze. Um, looks like about half this class will be enrolled by January. Um, and just those guys, and, and really the whole class uh, overall. A lot of these are a lot of these guys going to have an opportunity to play right away. You feel like? Well, coming here in January certainly increases the odds. Um, I'm not saying that uh, that others that show up in summer won't, um, but having them here in in all of spring ball with the whole semester to train with Dom to get in the routine of what it's like to be a college football player and a student, um, I think is going to pay them dividends. And then you have the summer to continue to train with Dom and they roll into fall camp and they kind of already know the system and the verbiage. And, and so it certainly gives them a, a chance to, to have a fair shot at jumping in there and playing some. You said next year the goals top five class, and you talked earlier about you know having to catch up you know with the head start in the twenty five class and, and kind of moving forward. Do you guys feel like you're off to a good start? Or, you know, able to you know, able to take advantage of that and try to be in a position to make a run at a top five class next year with what y'all done already? Well, I'm optimistic. I don't know. You guys probably would know better than I where we kind of currently stand in that, but. He said we're already at five, so we just got to hold on. We just got to keep, we got to keep holding on and add, add some to it. So yeah, I think that I think 
with with what we did this year in the short time we had, I think it's a reasonable expectation to think we should be around that top five range. You know, if we're six and seven, I don't know that that's terrible either. But it it, it we need to stack some classes that are competitive with the ones that uh, that we're chasing to close the gap on, and I, I do think it's reasonable to expect that. You want to go back to the transfers, Robert Lewis, Gage Keys, and, and Dorian from Duke. What did you see out of those guys that kind of fit in those those spots you were looking for? Uh, Dorian, mature, played a lot of football, solid, smart, understands fits, put him on the board, talk about that. He, he just he understands it all. I played in a similar system. Um, thinks you, gives you a heavier mic backer, 240-ish, um, that we really don't have built quite like that. I'm so excited to get his maturity there. I think that gives us some flexibility, like with he and Austin at the mic, and now you know maybe Eugene and and one of these others at at uh, at the backup if it's not Cam, and then maybe move Cam to a Jack where we can rush the passer a little better. So it just gives us. I mean, Cam needs to be a part of it. I don't know if it's at Will or Jack or. But um, gives us some flexibility along with the, with those young guys too to bring along. Oh, he asked about some others. Wait a minute, Robert Solid. Uh, like I said earlier, I think he can play inside, outside. Has some length to him. Has done well against good competition. Gauge, length on the inside, levers. Um, needs to gain a little weight, uh, probably. But I thought uh, we liked his activeness. And would expect him to be in that rotation of uh, of inside guys. Hugh, just talk about the loyalty of a guy that you inherited, Amon Langanis, and really the class overall stuck together pretty tight the whole way. Yeah, I just uh, you know we we had to work hard at it, but I do think uh, guys like that that just knew they felt it fit at Auburn and um, and were, were loyal to us, and we just preached, man, let's stay together. And I know you're going to get people running at you. Um, but just just stay together, and uh, we're fortunate that we had some loyalty in that in that group. So that was Hugh Freeze uh, as uh, the press conference today. Again, National Signing Day, going through all of the commitments as the Tigers land twenty plus players today, adding some transfers. Again, Tom mentioned this a little earlier in the show. Surprise Duke transfer uh, at, at the linebacker position. And, again, that's uh, a, a guy uh, where you get 60-plus tackles, you get three years of starting experience in Dorian Mozzie from, from Duke, uh, a little bit of a bigger linebacker, about 240 pounds, according to Hugh Freeze. And so uh, they like him. He'll factor in, too. But we've been talking wide receivers, been talking – uh, defensive line and, and linebacking room and that sort of thing. And, of course, also needing to be point out, obviously, uh, is no surprise at all, but Walker White uh, signing for Auburn. And, again, this is the guy that you hope is the guy to be able to throw to these wide receivers here in a couple of years and, and certainly hoping for him to end up being the answer at quarterback. Still maybe Holden Gurner, but work to do, obviously, for Holden. Uh, but Walker White, again, give you the uh, the actual rankings here. Number 11 quarterback overall, 159 overall in the country. 199 on on three, as high as 97 
on 247, 162 on ESPN, not ranked by rivals officially anywhere between – and sides do quarterbacks differently uh, based off uh, pocket and scrambling and all that, dual threat, all that. But uh, as low as the number 12 uh, QB in that ranking, as high as the number 5, depending, on, again, on what category you're putting him under. But, again, that's been someone that Hugh Freeze did talk a little bit about as being a great recruiter for Auburn during this process. We saw him down on the field before the Iron Bowl with the with the jacket, with the sweatshirt on and all that. And, again, maybe not next year, but right. at some point in the future, really hoping that Walker White ends up being the guy. Yeah, uh, very accomplished quarterback out in Arkansas, uh, big guy. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he has been a, a valuable recruiting piece uh, as far as just – kind of leading the charge and getting some of these guys. So uh, we'll see how it all pans out. Not just Walker White, but everybody on the signing class. And I, it's something that I will go back and say that I mentioned yesterday. It's cool. You get these guys here. What do you do with them? Texas A&M had last year, or two years ago, I guess it was, uh, had the class, number one class in the country, and everybody said it was the best recruiting class ever, like as far as the stars and all that kind of stuff. Hardly any of them are even at Texas A&M anymore. Their coach is gone. A&M was not able to do anything with those guys. Now, Georgia has had top recruiting classes, and they've done stuff with them. Bama has had top recruiting classes. They've done stuff with them. Clemson has slipped down a little bit, but there for a while they were having top recruiting classes and they were doing something with them. So that's going to be the big thing is develop these guys, get them in here, uh, de-recruit them. That, that's the other big thing that they talk about. You, you have whined and dined and thrown out the red carpet and you have been just the nicest guy and the nicest, you know, once it comes time for them to go to work, you have to get them ready to play at a completely different level than what they have been playing at in high school. And so that's going to be the big thing here is what do you do with this class? It's an amazing class, and it looks good, and it feels good, and you love the momentum, but you got to do something with it. That's, yeah. that's the biggest, biggest thing right now. Well, and again, that's where time will tell if Hugh Freeze ends up being uh, a successful coach here at Auburn or not because he started to get real classes at Ole Miss they won some games there was then violations he then left the program and now you're looking at a situation where the recruiting is returning the recruiting is right. returning to what Auburn's been used to it's maybe going to be even amplified and and even excel above what it was in some of the Malzahn years and even the the Chiswick class or two uh, and so the next logical step is, do you outperform what you did at Ole Miss? And at Ole Miss, he won about nine games several times. Might have won ten with a bowl game one year. Uh, but eventually you'll have to do that in the regular season at Auburn and be able to win ten games, make that playoff, that 12-team playoff and that sort of thing. So uh, the nice thing for Freeze is that I think he's gotten – and we'll get a little bit more of a traditional rope in terms of years. Uh, that was obviously not something that Harson got, nor did he deserve to get. But I think that he, 
as long as there's some sort of progression, you're going to get the three to four to five year timetable that was more accustomed to just 10 years ago would have been a more normal timetable for a guy. Whereas some schools are getting uncomfortable after two and some situations dictate that you have to think about moving on after two, like Florida stuck with Napier, for example, for a year three. And I'm going to go ahead and break some news. I highly doubt he's going to make it past year three. No. Right. But, but there's a reason for that because there, that program is stagnant and it is struggling and you can make it an argument. It's even declining even more than post Dan Mullen. Yeah. So I will say yeah. this as of a minute ago, they do have a five-star defensive line commitment in LJ McCray. Florida did get McCray. So. That's great. That's awesome. And at some point in either later this month or next month, I'll tell you why it won't matter <laughs> for Billy Napier because right. of their schedule next year. And the schedule that was released the other week that we got to a little bit with Auburn side of things, but we'll talk about league-wide at some point, where their second easiest game in the non-conference, and I've been saying this around the office all day today, their second easiest game in the non-conference is Central Florida. Well, UCF beat Florida in a bowl game two years ago. They already did it. And maybe they beat UCF. And that's great if they do. Awesome, good for you. Or Gus beats them, whoops, Florida, you're in trouble. Because guess what? If UCF beats Florida next year, I'm going to bet Florida's going to lose to Miami, and I'm going to bet they're going to lose Florida State. So that's one in three in the non-conference. Yeah, they're playing Florida State, Miami, and UCF. It is the all-Florida Bowl next year. And if they go one in three in the, in the, uh, in the non-conference to then try to go five and three, in the SEC, just to get bowl eligibility, absolutely in all caps, good luck. Because that ain't happening if they go 1-3 and three in non-conference. So, uh, Florida still, they do get McCray, as you mentioned, so that's an Auburn target off the board. They were able to, I guess, reconvene and uh, maybe offer a little bit more, and they'll keep McCray. His quote was, I don't know why y'all thought I was flipping. Uh, yeah, the, the extra couple hundred thousand dollars uh, is, is why. Uh, but so he goes to Florida. So, again, that is an Auburn target off the board, so that is relevant. So Florida does hang on to him. Uh, again, that might be something in a year, though, where he goes in the portal. And, again, not going to stare at that, but in trouble times at Florida, even with McCray's commitment, still trouble times. We are out of time for hour number two. In hour number three, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire will join us at 5.15. In the meantime... We'll do a sports call five at five, and we'll again talk about a couple other recruiting storylines across the country. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. And again, Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy are with me here on this Wednesday. 
Coming up in about 10 minutes, we will have Joe Bartle of RotoWire join us as he does each and every Wednesday, talk some fantasy football, fantasy playoffs. We're getting, uh, getting deep into it. I didn't even ask you guys. Bro, I know Tom, you're in consolation bracket, but Brooks, you did you make the playoffs? Yep. That uh, didn't go well. Not. Nope. <laughs> okay. Lost to JJ in the oh, first wow. round. Lost to JJ. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I I won my first round. Uh, at least the one here. I won my first round of. Uh, okay. There we go. Consolation. Would you rather lose your way out in the all the whole week? Let me try it again. Would you rather lose all of your games in the playoff bracket or win all your consolation bracket games? I'd rather be in the regular playoffs. Okay, even if you lost all of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because okay. then at least you have a chance at the prize. That's fair. But again, you lost. I, I'm not. I'm not giving you a chance. Yeah. I'm saying no. You lost. But, but you, you, that means you were still good during the regular okay. season. Okay. All right. That's fair. Uh, before we get to Joe, though, we have more of those conversations. We want to do the Sports Call 5 at 5 right now. It's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334 707 Four two seven three, or find them online at sclandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, we're going to go over the top five SEC teams in the recruiting rankings. We start off with number one. These will not be big surprises. Georgia is the number one class in the country, according to On3. Again, all this is on On3. Georgia totaling 28 players, three of them five-star, 19 four-star commits. I saw an ESPN graphic that said they had 20 ESPN 300 uh, players there. So, again, a lot of talent going to Athens. i got to read this real quick. Uh, if, there we go. Their offensive line signees, 6'8", 353, 6'8", 335, 6'8", 325, 6'7", 315, 6'6", 330, and 6'6", 295. Big boys. Good Lord. When you're lowest, <laughs> your smallest guy is 6'6", 295, help. <laughs> I mean, just just help. Uh, so again, Georgia is just fine. Uh, they did lose a couple commits, like Dylan Raiola. Again, they gained them as well, and a lot of them ate a lot of food, and they're big, and they're still good. So Georgia, the number one class in the country, and again, three five stars, nineteen four star guys going to Athens. Next up on the sports call, five at five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number two, number two class in the conference and still in the country is Alabama. They also have three five star players, sixteen four star players, and six three star. They have twenty five committed. Uh, I should also say about Georgia, with Georgia's ninety two point two average, they do have the highest average rating. Uh, for any uh, recruiting class, as well as being number one class because of quantity as well. So quality and quantity for Georgia. Alabama has the number two on average, both, again, total overall and average rating. So, again, Alabama with the number two class in the conference in the country. Next up, number three. Welcome to the SEC, Texas. Texas, the number five recruiting class in the country, the number three rated conference in the Southeastern Conference, three five-stars for the Longhorns, 14 four-star, four three-star, their average rating is good as well. It's actually better than number four of Miami, and it's neck and neck with Auburn. It's technically just a scotch blow, 91.43 to 91.46, but Texas would ironically, again, come out at number five, both in quantity there 
Uh, I know, I know it's quantity and quality mix there for the ratings, but uh, also in the average rating as well. So Texas with another really good class. No surprise there. Next up, number four is the Auburn Tigers. They are the number four team right now, recruiting wise in the SEC. Number seven class overall in the country, according to On3. And again, that average rating is good for the fourth best average recruit ranking uh, in the country. So Auburn's uh, per is very high there. Two five-stars, 11 four-stars, and seven three-stars for the Tigers. 20 official commits on three. And coming up fifth here on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, top five recruiting classes in the SEC. Number five. Another team that was not in the league a year ago, Oklahoma. They are the number eight class in the country. And, again, uh, their average is a little bit more uh, on par. They, they've got definitely have a quantity class. They have 27 players committed, but still one five-star and 15 four-stars. I think they're doing just fine. Uh, but Oklahoma would rate out somewhere around 10th or 11th, actually, an average star rating. So they're a little bit above because of some of those extra commits. And that is the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group the top five recruiting classes in the SEC. Want to go over some other notable classes, though, in the conference. LSU is 10th. Again, six SEC schools in the top 10. That is about standard there, LSU at 10th. Tennessee coming in at 12th. Texas A&M, again, inherently 14th ain't awful. It's not what they're used to. It's also eighth in the league at number 14. Florida, again, might have the turntables. They are 16th. Overall in the country, they came into this week in the top five. They are now the ninth-rated SEC class. Also, Ole Miss in the top 20. They're at 19. South Carolina is at 20. And then you have Missouri at 24 and Kentucky at 25. Heck, you even want to throw in down there Mississippi State 29 and Arkansas 31. Basically, if you're in the SEC and your name's not Vanderbilt, you're in the top 31. Uh, As, again, what was that? I believe that was 13 of the top 25. Belong to the SEC and 15 of the top 31. Yeah, the only SEC school not in the top 31 would be Vandy. They're 40, by the way. It's not like they're long, long forgotten, but 40 for an SEC school. And that's the range that Auburn was in uh, for most of last year before the firing of Brian Harson and then bringing in Hugh Freeze. So uh, it, can, it can go that direction. But uh, my it's difficult recruiting the SEC being 25th in the country, is 13th in the league. So, guys, real quickly before we go to break, anything stand out to you about these league rankings? Uh, I mean, there, there's nothing that really stands out. I mean, obviously the Florida thing was a, a very surprising turn. Uh, it, I mean, if you're a Gators fan, you're panic button right now. Now, they did just get McCray. That's a big pickup for them, and that's going to help them out. But, uh, you know, two guys flipped – to Auburn from there, um, they lost a lot. And uh, it's not not a good look for Billy Napier in that program right now. I, I think that's the biggest shock out of, out of all of them. Um, uh, one that is, I guess, uh, looking around the country, another that is surprising to me is the lack of recruiting at Colorado. Uh, I don't even know where they rank, but – they are 42nd in high school. Obviously, they're doing a great job in the portal, but, yeah, they're 42nd right. on on-threes uh, high school. I think they only had, like, six commits or something. They're up to eight. Oh, they got. Yeah, they are up to yeah. eight. Yeah. Um, That's still well below, well, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's way below what I thought and I think everybody thought 
would happen. It, you know, you just kind of expected Deion Sanders is going to show up and all of a sudden these kids are going to flock to him and to Colorado, and they haven't. Um, so that, that's been a huge surprise to me. Uh, you know, I kind of thought, I figured LSU would have been ranked higher, um, but, you know, they – they didn't quite get it done, but uh, no, yeah. no surprise at the top. I mean that uh, that's that's just to be expected now. Yeah, it's it's pretty for the last several years. I think they've swapped back and forth between one and two between Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, uh, again that that is that, and I guess I was a little surprised. I guess it's just it's back to normal in a sense, but I'm a little surprised a And M back in the teens now. Right. I mean, again, you can understand it, certainly. Coaching change, different situation there. But, again, to show you just how above par it had been, I mean, they were first that one year, but they were also in the top ten a couple other times. You know, kind of a return to normalcy there. We'll see what becomes normal under Mike Elko, but certainly not a number one class this year. We need to take our first time out of the 5 o'clock hour. When we come back, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will join us. We'll talk some NFL, some fantasy football with him next. You're listening to this Wednesday edition of the show on Tiger 95.9. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program as we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line where we welcome on Joe Bartle of RotoWire here for our weekly chat. Joe, how are things in your world today? Well, not too bad. It's It was a lesser waiver wire period uh, for a lot of people. It might not matter because for a, a lot of folks, it was the first week of the fantasy playoff. So it's it's a bit more mundane. Um, and with all the games spread out this week, it, it is kind of a tricky fantasy period too. On top of all the other holiday-related stuff that probably a lot of folks are focused on. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up for sure. Let's go ahead and get into that. What is that dynamic like where I don't think you can have a more spread-out week than this? You've got, obviously, the game on Thursday. You've got Saturday stuff, as we did last week. But then you also have three Monday games as opposed to one or maybe the rare doubleheader that the league's been doing uh, this year, obviously, because it's Christmas. Does that change how you... I don't know, observe, like, if you have an early matchup do you that doesn't go well, do you try to change something real quick on a Sunday or Monday matchup that you're trying to swing bigger on? Is there anything you can do strategy-wise? I don't know. What 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 is it like to have a more spread-out week like this? Yeah, it's um, challenging, and I, I was thinking more from the injury perspective. Uh, you have to really be on top of all the injury news and players because the final practice report for a lot of these teams can – be Friday, Thursday, Sunday, you know, it, it does really change. And for me, that would be like a, okay, I need to have this information lined up and make the decision. Oh, wait, you know, I, this thing Thursday is happening, so therefore I'm not sure what to do with Monday. We we saw it play out last week when Keenan Allen was uh, inactive on that Thursday night game, but also you thought Tyreek Hill was going to play. You thought Chris Olave might play, and neither of those guys could, uh, and they were up until the last minute. I'm, I'm just hoping um, – 
I'm hoping there's less of those circumstances this week, and a lot of those guys that had missed last week theoretically could and should be able to play because they had missed last week. But to the point of the strategy aspect, I'm not sure there there is anything that I would be doing. Um, I think you you kind of know when entering your matchup, hey, I, I might have a chance of winning, I might not. Maybe the things are going to break my way, they might, they might not. And if there was a scenario where I was like, I, I'm not feeling great about this matchup, there would be some, I don't know, like uh, I, I would roll the dice and try to get like a big play sort of thing. So like Noah Brown, for example, if Nico Collins, doesn't play. Noah Brown has had two games now where he's got 20-plus points. Otherwise, has been kind of shut out, and I understand Case Keenum probably starting again for the Texans, but it's, it's that kind of player and that kind of outcome that I'd be looking for. Uh, and the idea is, well, you know, if, if I was already down 35 points entering Sunday's games, I, I might as well roll the dice, but there's there's very few times, and frankly, there's four teams in the most part, four, six teams possibly left, uh, and those options and opportunities to make those plays become significantly less when most of these teams are all pretty compact and more or less good. I mean, that's why they've made it this far in the playoffs. Almost every single week, Joe, we've unfortunately had to talk about a new quarterback injury and how it changes the dynamic around a certain team. This week, it's Houston. I know that Stroud missed last week, but now we've seen a week of Case Keenum. Uh, was able to lead a comeback, for what it's worth, against Tennessee, playing another Browns team with Joe Flacco, who has put up at least a lot of yardage with Cleveland. They're leading them to wins. Uh, so another matchup of backup quarterbacks. Who do you feel better about? And then, again, how does it fe- uh, affect some of these wide receivers? And, 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 again, especially out of Houston, which is a little bit newer situation. I definitely feel better about Joe Flacco. If you're streaming quarterbacks at this point, that's the one I'd go to. Possibly Will Anderson missing time, the stud pass rusher for the Texans. That would make things even more enticing for me. Uh, and Flacco almost has a safe floor with how often that he passes the ball. And, and the receivers are pretty good. And David Njoku coming on towards the latter half of the season, that's like, okay, yeah. Flacco would be the obvious case. But to your point with the Texans, I mean, Case Keenum gets thrown into this mix. Uh, some people thought it would be Davis Mills, like at this point last week when we assumed C.J. Stroud wasn't going to play. To me, it's just a hindrance overall on the offense. And whereas I thought it's certainly possible against the Texans, I'm sorry, against the Titans, that they could pass the ball. No matter if it's Case Keenum, C.J. Stroud, Davis Mills, this Browns defense is infinitely better than what Tennessee was able to present last week. I don't think Devin Singletary is going to get 100-plus 20 rushing yards. Uh, I don't believe Noah Brown is going to be in a position where he can get 100 yards and two scores. So I, I would just kind of safer assume I'm not playing many of these guys. And even if Nico Collins is active and available, it makes me concerned uh, to have to roll the dice with him in a difficult matchup and a lesser quarterback throwing the ball. Like I could sooner see the score being 16-10 again in favor of the Browns. And while it worked out fantasy-wise last week in a similar capacity, I don't think the the Browns defense presents those same sort of opportunities. Joe, when you you look at the you know you, you mentioned a lot of people are in the playoffs right now. Uh, it, it's it's starting to get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, a position that a lot of people really look at uh, for need is that running back room. Who's a guy that this week that you would suggest maybe a lot of people starting running back that could be in danger of kind of busting this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious ones are still in play. Raheem Mostert's number two in fantasy scoring, given all the touchdowns. I'm not worried about the Cowboys' defense, and I don't think Raheem Mostert's going to go ahead and play James Cook level of performance and dominate that defense, but it's it's not one where I'm fading away. Uh, and even, like, the the overall top guys, I guess I would go down to B. John Robinson, but my only concern is if you played B. John Robinson and won last week, kudos to you because he had a miserable performance uh, and I think for a lot of people was the reason they were unable to advance in the playoffs. So I don't even know if that's 
a fair answer anymore because he's already cost them the week before. I would maybe look at a guy like Aaron Jones, who a lot of people threw right back into their lineups when he was healthy last week. I understand the Panthers, uh, a good enough matchup. And A.J. Dillon, with that broken thumb, might not play this week. It, it's still too risky, uh, given Matt LaFleur and what the offense chooses to do on a drive-to-drive basis. I would not be playing Aaron Jones, and I have to imagine, with all the time that he's missed this year, that somebody who has him uh, could find better options available on the roster. And then, Joe, uh, a position in, in fantasy football that we really don't mention a lot, uh, but the, the defensive units. Who, who's a defensive unit that you, you're looking at this week that maybe a, a lot of people have out there that, that's available in their, their league that they could go pick up this weekend? Yeah, the first the first look is the Bills, who may or may not be available. They just had the Cowboys last week. Maybe somebody already dropped them. Um, we saw what the Raiders' defense did against the Chargers last week. Brandon Staley's gone, so I think by default the team will be better. But, yeah, I want to target the Bills' defense against whatever version of the Chargers you're seeing over the final three weeks. In fact, um, that would be one of those where I'm rostering over plays of the Chargers the following week, too. I'll, I'll have a defense for next week if that is at all possible. But that's the first choice you'd make. Um, after that, uh, I've seen some people say the Packers. I, I'm definitely not going there. I think Bryce Young uh, finally looks like the number one overall pick against Joe Barry. So I would I would lean towards um, whoever's going against the Giants or uh, like <clears throat> I was going to say like the Bears too, but the Cardinals with the Bears this week. It really does come down to a few of those overall matchups, and with so many backup quarterbacks playing, there really isn't all that much of an advantage overall. So I, I think. Um, I think we saw that the Falcons were one of the defenses you could consider. I didn't really like them a lot either. Uh, it, I have the Bills are available in all five of my playoff leagues. So if I'm only if I'm stuck in that one, it's because I'm, I'm going after picking up every one of the Bills. Uh, they were widely available at least in my formats. And Joe, when we're looking at this slate of games, the Monday I, there's not a better game all week than the very last game, and it's the Monday night yeah. game on Christmas between the Ravens and 49ers. Uh, this is a great matchup, too, because in theory, this could be a Super Bowl preview. I mean, I know we don't talk about that uh, with the Ravens too often because they've not gotten over that hump with Lamar. To be fair, he's never usually available when it comes this time of year. Uh, but but give us a sense of, of how this 49ers defense will influence and, and play against Lamar and, again, the, the pass, the, the passing acumen he's gained this year and just, again, the implications with – going up against that 49ers defense. Yeah, it's a Christmas Day reward because we have Raiders, Chiefs, uh, and then another 10-point game mid-Christmas Day so that we get to end with actually a good game is uh, is a positive. You had said what, what's the 49ers defense going to present the Ravens, and I actually think more like the 49ers offense is so capable of explosive plays but also dictating the pace of the game that I think that's the biggest issue for me. Let's, I mean, how, how realistic are we saying – the Ravens are going to hold the Niners to three scores. I, I don't think it's very realistic. Um, I think it could be a game like a 31-28 type of deal. And if that's the case, I mean, the Ravens are going to have to keep pace to make sure, at least for, for the Ravens to be competitive, I don't even know if they win this game, but to be competitive, they can't get caught up in trying to make a big play and get that score right back they, that they will inevitably give up. Kyle Shanahan is too good at scheming. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, those guys are just too good at making plays. You make the tackles in front of you, uh, try your best to limit the, the field goals, that offense is going to score points. But if you're the Ravens, you can't go in saying, I need to go ahead and get seven points in three plays. You are not capable of doing that. I would imagine Chase Young and Joey, uh, Joey Nick Bosa are going to be able to contain Lamar Jackson to a certain extent, but you don't want to overcorrect. You don't want to end up uh, pass rushing too hard and giving him a lane to run. So I think 
that's going to mitigate one of the bigger advantages the Niners' offense, I'm sorry, defense has, which is that excellent pass rush. So if Lamar Jackson's threat to even move and run out of the pocket uh, negates that, then I do think you're going to see the ball spread around between Odell Beckham, Isaiah Likely, Rashad Bateman, and the like. The only issue is there's not one single guy that really has emerged as a key fantasy option. Isaiah Likely has been great if you missed Mark Andrews, um, and I think he'll be totally fine, even though Fred Warner's the best middle linebacker in the league. But it's it's hard to say, oh, well, this guy is going to benefit from the Niners' pass rush theoretically not being as good. I think I happen to think the San Francisco 49ers blow this game out. I don't think it's going to be all that competitive. I hope I'm wrong, um, but I don't really see anybody getting close to the Niners. And I'm just hoping that uh, Kyle Shanahan does one of his uh, goof-ups in the playoffs. That's the only way I think San Fran gets stopped this season. Joe, we're, we're trying to uh, go through and help folks uh, with, with their fantasy playoff matchups this week and the next couple weeks here. But I want to look ahead to 2024. And there may, there's a lot of people out there that, that love to play the keeper leagues and everything. Who are some younger guys that have kind of boomed this year that you would target in, in some of the keeper leagues to kind of hold on to going into next season? Yeah, it's it's tricky. My two favorite receivers entering this season were Jordan Aston and Rasheed Rice. And unfortunately, I think they played so well this year that you are not getting them any sort of discount whatsoever. So I, I, mostly rookie receivers. I'm not buying low on Quentin Johnston, but even Zay Flowers, Jackson Smith, and Jigba have done well enough where you're like, yep, those guys are cornerstones where you draft them and you're not getting any perceived value. So I do think it's kind of at running back. And we've seen Chase Brown uh, back up to the Bengals get a little bit better. But if I'm scoping on situations, Joe Mixon's contract, a difficult spot. They already probably can't bring back T. Higgins. Do you bring back Joe Mixon as well, too? If not, then I think Chase Brown becomes not starter per se, but in competition for that. So that's one of the names. And then Kendra Miller was drafted in the third round by the Saints. They have Jamal Williams. They have Alvin Kamara. I don't know if both those guys are back, but you don't draft Kendra Miller in the third round to have do literally nothing. He's been banged up most of the season. I would imagine even in dynasty or keeper leagues, he could have been cut. That's how uh, little he was utilized. So I would be uh, looking towards that direction. And then the other part is, with so many players injured this season, you might be able to go ahead and uh, target one of those guys on the download and say, yeah, this is going to work out well for me. Uh, I think like Kirk Cousins, no matter if he stays for the Vikings or goes somewhere else, he should be healthy next year. Uh, it's not like his mobility really makes a difference. Like, that matters from a fantasy perspective. Could you get him cheaper in a single quarterback league? Maybe. Um, those would be it, – it's the running backs, the rookie ones in particular, who didn't do a whole lot this year and then – a number of these injured players where it's out of sight, out of mind. You might have forgot why they are fans as well when they'll be trying to target. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on the program. And, Joe, i got one last question for you, but it's a little bit of a change-up. We also have, of course, as we do each and every year, Christmas Day basketball, and your Milwaukee Bucks have the New York Knicks. And if also if I told you, because, again, uh, we could be talking fantasy basketball too. RotoWire does a great job with all of your fantasy needs, not just football. Uh, with the slate of games, if I told you 10 teams were playing and the Golden State Warriors would have the worst record of the 10, that would be a bit of a surprise, too. So what do you like on Christmas Day basketball? I mean, it has to be Lakers-Celtics. I, I will likely be watching football all day uh, Christmas Day because I am in a few fantasy playoffs and the stakes will matter. In a few of these games, you got a lot of key players like Mahomes and, and whatnot. But I will be tuning in to Celtics-Lakers, not just for the history aspect, but I'm really curious to see what LeBron James and Anthony Davis do against this match. I don't think it's going to be an NBA Finals match, but it certainly is one of those that you want to test who is the best among the NBA. And 
I don't know if Bucks Knicks does that. I don't know if the Warriors or anybody else does that. But I do think the Celtics Lakers will, and the rivalry aspect. Both those teams care about it. Both those franchises care about it. Uh, I'm excited, and, and I, I despise the the big market LA talk, and it gets so annoying, eye rolling when we slobber all over the Celtics. This is the one day of the year where I will relent and uh, appreciate this kind of rivalry because it, it should be one of the better games on an awesome NBA slate Christmas Day. Yeah, we we definitely need a little bit of chippiness out of that too. I, I don't mean like Draymond style, uh, but but just need a little <laughs> no, bit. No WWE, please. Yeah, <laughs> right. Need don't need to transcend the sport in which we're playing, but we do need a little bit of something to remind people, like, hey, this is the rivalry in the sport that uh, made it famous in the '80s, and and, and need a little bit of flair there. But uh, should be a great slate for sure. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today again. Joe, remind our audience again uh, all the things that you do there with RotoWire with. Uh, RotoWire can help you with again in multi sports and just everything going on there. Yeah, the big betting sheet just got posted uh, on my Twitter, JB Fantasy Sports. I go over every over under, uh, every point spread, still 500 in both categories, which I'm pretty proud of entering week 16. Uh, I thought this this week's gambling slate was really more uh, teaser and parlay focused than anything else. The spreads were a little bit tricky, uh, but you can find that again on my Twitter, JB Fantasy Sports. I, real quick, from just like an overall perspective, we aren't in a state that uh, you're able to legally bet prize picks and those kinds of things have been gaining more. We have a really awesome tool now that we've developed over the past three or four months uh, that has been pretty good, pretty good results thus far that targets the best of those prize pick level entry points, those prop bets, so to speak, uh, for a lot of those different apps out there. You can get that. I think it's for free right now for a limited time up until the start of the new year and kind of check that out. Rotowire.com slash radio, or at least pod, gets you uh, free access to the site. But you can click around that and check it out if you are into those prize pick things. So it's it's a new tool, one that we've been uh, definitely kind of tweaking behind the scenes now for a while. I think it's done a lot uh, for a lot of the users out there. Again, Joe Bartle with Rotowire joining us today on the show. Joe, as always, we certainly appreciate the time. We wish you a very Merry Christmas. Uh, we hope that uh, there's a lot of fun football and basketball to consume on Christmas Day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and best of luck to everyone's fantasy lamps this week. Hopefully uh, we're all having a merry a merry holidays and also a merry fantasy experience, too. Yeah, well, uh, we already got people in the office like uh, Brooks, who is uh, already lost in the playoffs. Tom in the Constellation Bracket. These these guys are not doing great, Joe. These guys are not doing great. They should have listened to you more, but uh, we appreciate it as always, Joe. All right, thanks. That is Joe Bartle of Red Wire joining us today on Sports Calls. He does each and every week here throughout the NFL season. I just totally threw you guys on the bus. I hope that you're okay with this. I hope that you do not give me a lump of coal, and I hope that we can continue on with Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite. After this timeout, we'll start to wrap up this Wednesday edition of the program right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here. 
on this Wednesday edition of the program. I'm going to remind you, go ahead and remind about uh, next week's schedule. Again, no show next Monday, which of course is Christmas, and then a best of show on Tuesday. And so we'll be airing some interviews and some segments from the last few months of Sports Call on Tuesday. We'll be back live Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Full shows next week. And then we'll also have next the, the following Monday off uh, for New Year. So the next two Mondays, no show. Uh, but again, we'll be back. Uh, full shows next Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And of course, full shows this Thursday and Friday. And also want to remind you that uh, we encourage any and all participation in our sports call survey, our end-of-year survey here. Didn't do it the last couple of years. Wanted to get back to doing it this year. It'll be open for the next month or so. We really appreciate any and all feedback. It's very brief. It is only uh, nine questions total. Eight of them are multiple choice. It'll take three, four minutes tops. Uh, and, again, just our way of being able to get some input from you that may not constantly call in or may call in all the time. Uh, or listen, uh, the various ways that you can listen to the show. We just want to hear from any and all uh, people here about feedback on the show, how we can improve it in 2024. Again, that survey will be open for the next several weeks into the month of January. And, again, we'll definitely take all those to heart and be looking at them uh, in January and, and things that we can improve on for sure or things that we do well. We welcome uh, both sides of it for sure. So, again, you can go to our various social media pages uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and find the links for that at Sports Call AU. Also on the website, tiger.fm. So, again, many ways to go find that survey, and we certainly hope that you will uh, participate in that, and we'll be happy to get uh, that feedback there. Again, starting to wind down this Wednesday edition of the program. Of course, today has been a lot about National Signing Day. Uh, it was another productive day for the Tigers uh, we talked about the flip that they did get from Amaris Williams, but also, uh, as we mentioned, not didn't lose anybody as a surprise. Yes, they were not able to get K.J. Bolden, but Brooks, as you talked about, was still ultimately a Florida State commit, was still uh, very much in play for not only Florida State and Auburn, but also Georgia, which is where he ultimately landed. Uh, so don't really see that as a loss, just maybe a missed opportunity or someone you did not gain. Uh, but you know, there were some nervous moments for some about Perry Thompson. Uh, no need to be nervous anymore there. Nobody else was a surprise. So, all in all, a calmer day by by some standards. Certainly, a team like Florida would have loved to have had a calmer day. Some teams had productive days flipping other players. Miami and Texas A&M flipped, some of four, flipped a Florida player, I know. Uh, Alabama had a flip or two day. There's still several of those top 10, 15 schools that did get a flip or two today. Uh, but uh, overall, again, this league just continues to uh, dominate the recruiting world, the 13 of the top 25 classes being from this conference. And, look, we will condense some things. I mean, again, there's not going to be a fifth power conference anymore. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma that were the bell cows for the Big 12 are now counting for the SEC. So that's a couple extra schools in there. But, again, this league, and really in everything – uh, except for maybe basketball. We talked baseball recruiting rankings yeah. a few months ago, how loaded that was for likes of LSU and Tennessee, Auburn having an elite class there. We know how it is in softball. It's much the same way. Uh, well, now you're bringing Oklahoma into yeah, that. Yeah, and that's only going <laughs> to – again, that's only going to add to that. Uh, but, but, again, the recruiting, it starts with it. And, yep. uh, obviously, we 
talked a little bit to do today too about what will be to come and the development needed. But again, Auburn should feel pretty good about the full class number one under Hugh Freeze being in the top ten and and still outside chance you you land Ryan Williams in February you might end up in the top five still. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's great momentum heading into the bowl game. Uh, it's momentum that we've not seen here at Auburn in the last couple of years, and so uh, yeah, it's nice to it's nice to be back relevant in the recruiting and be relevant with some of these guys that they're bringing in here, and uh, and still, like you said, chance to sign another couple um, that have, have not announced yet. So uh, yeah, I mean it's it's good for the future. Uh, it's something that. Uh, you expected was going to happen when you brought Hugh Freeze in here, and uh, and he's been able to get it done. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it's his, uh, a, a good sign of things to come. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, the job's not done for the 2024 class. As you mentioned, Ryan, you're, you're trying to land a couple other guys. Uh, you're going to have to at least uh, maybe wait and see on at least one till February, see what you do in the, the transfer portal. Now, the but, you know, starting right now, You've got, you know, this. Uh, we I've talked about this page, this document that we have in front of us. Of it's five pages of of new players that have been added to this program. It's a great class. It is. It is one of you know. It's especially from what Auburn was when Hugh Freeze got here to now. This is a phenomenal class. Now the next step is what do you do with these names? All these names on this page on the, these pages. Great. That is phenomenal what you've done in the recruiting world now what are you going to do with them on the field is what is the next step because you can come in and you can have great recruiting classes if you do not produce on the field your stay you can have as many great recruiting classes as you want your your stay is not going to be as long as you want it if you don't produce on the field I, it, you know you, you look at some of the momentum that that the auburn team had at the end of the year this past this, this past season you like where it is a good performance of the bowl game will do go a lot into next season um, but it, it, the, the job now starts again where you gotta, you gotta improve. It's, it was six, the, the groundwork has been laid at six and six. You gotta get better from that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, again, it's all part of the building process. I think the good news is, uh, most everybody has been pretty patient, uh, this year, even with a couple of disappointing, uh, results at the end of the season. Uh, and again, that's why I said earlier in the show, I, I think that, uh, fortunately, I think Freeze is going to get the time to be able to prove it with the high school players he's getting. He's not having to force it in the portal. And, again, that's part of the comments he made today, uh, which is something we've talked about in the show because we just you could just tell. like You could just tell with, with the fact that we knew Auburn's NIL situation is in a good place. It's not like it was a couple of years ago when it, when it very first started out. It's in a good place. Auburn's now in normal good shape. Uh, we – I could tell you, if they wanted to put resource in the portal, they could. And if they really wanted to land a couple of huge portal guys, they would. Uh, I, I just I kind of have that trust in Freeze at this point. He's going to recruit it. Uh, he did it at Ole Miss. He's already done it in a short time in a solid way here at Auburn. He's going to recruit it. And so uh, I, I felt pretty strongly that that's just where the resource was going as the high school world. It's what he said from day one, and it's been consistent. And I think that that is something that you obviously have to have is a consistent path forward, uh, and that's where they've leaned the whole time. And he said today that they wanted to make sure the high school kids knew that was their priority. They wanted to feel that way. 
Uh, and uh, look, that's some of the recruiting process too. That's why he also made the comment that uh, some of these big schools had a one, two year head start and some of these kids. That's the truth. Yeah, because you don't start recruiting these kids nine months out uh, and 12 months out. Auburn had to because they hadn't been recruiting them before Freeze got here. Uh, but really, this thing starts two and three years in advance. And so that's, I think, where they felt pretty good about the effort that, that came forward there. But it's also when it's a two- or three-year process, yeah, sometimes, even with it being that long, it comes down to the last moment. Uh, one last offer, one last uh, home run, one la- you know, one last Hail Mary, I should say. Uh, and, and sometimes someone will flip just like that. But if you believe in something other than just financial compensation uh, and you believe in the relationship part of it, that's what's built over time. And that's also what Auburn wants to bank on when they're selling their program. And, uh, you know, that that is the kind of thing that you, you did not have a head start on. So, again, I think that they did a really good job. At really no point, I'm trying to think back, uh, at really no point did Auburn have serious leakage. They, they dropped a couple of players here early in the year. You know, Fat Burnett did not end up coming to Auburn. Uh, what the Anson product running back, and I think there was one DB, maybe two that decommitted, but I really think that that was it. The whole whole process forward is that they they dropped a couple throughout the twelve months, but they they did more they did more flipping for themselves than having yeah. flipped by somebody else. And again, that's another sign of a program on the right track. The message is being sold. Again, you're you're doing these positive things. Uh, but yeah, as we all know, there will come a time where you're going to have to ha- look at the win and loss column. And it's going to have to be significantly better. And again, that will come. I, I do believe that. I think they will get there. I think this talent is the important first step. That's why we spent a lot of time on it today, uh, as we should. But look, th- there's still some other truths here too, guys. Like, the blue chip ratio thing. Like you don't win a title if you don't have it. Like right. mm-hmm. now you might get close. TCU got close. Not not in that game, but they got to the game. That's yeah. close. Uh, but no one's broken through unless you have the fifty percent plus of the blue chip ratio. So again, there's balance to everything in this life, and there will have to be the development part of the balance. But if you don't have top ten or fifteen classes, you will not win a national championship. <laughs> It's just it's just there. Now you can be anywhere from like second to eighth in there, sure, fine. But if you don't get to a certain level, you can't get there. And so Auburn is now getting back there. This is the first year of doing that. That's why you gotta do it for multiple years, because you gotta stack the blue chip ratio back up. But you do it for a couple years, that's when you expect the results to follow. That's when you're back in the space to say, Yeah, you you're now back in that realm of being able to win a title or go compete for a title, that sort of thing. Well, and, and now with it expanding to 12. You got way better access. Yep. Way better access. Now, just get into the top 12. Yeah. They'll, 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 sure. Like, and now, I mean, you might not be, there'll be maybe a couple teams each year that will not be right. meeting that criteria, but that doesn't mean they're going to advance four games, right? Because there's going to be a group of five school that makes it. Mm-hmm. And that's great. They won't have the blue chip ratio, but will they actually win a game or two? We'll see. I'll probably be rooting for them most of the time, unless they're playing someone like Auburn, <laughs> obviously. But, uh, they're going to have an uphill challenge, and then maybe someone else. You know, I, I don't know where a team like Ole Miss would fit on that. They're doing an incredible job on the portal right now. That's a conversation for another day. But, you know, there's still 
recruiting about 18th, 20th, 22nd, somewhere in there, depending on the year. And that's really not quite meeting the blue chip requirement either. So we'll see if someone with a more of a portal heavy team, you might have the most important position in the portal, right? Like Texas has Quinn Ewers. He's technically at Ohio state for a year, half a year, (laughs) even, uh, and in the panics at Washington didn't start there. So we get it. There's the most important position, but, the foundation is still built in the high school recruiting. And, I, again, I don't think that I have to talk too many people uh, back into that opinion that a couple other teams are trying different things. Colorado's trying the portal route. Again, like I said, Ole Miss is, is definitely a half a hand into the in, – or half a foot into the uh, high school rank, but a foot and a half into the portal. So they're, they're feel more portal-leaning, but – it used to be that teams would focus a lot of effort in the JUCO route. Yeah. Like, I'm at Mississippi State was, like, known for – I mean, they would just go and pilfer every JUCO kid they could get their hands on. Sure. But now it's the portal. Yep. Now now it's trying to be portal king. and See what, see what that, uh, that will get you. But we are about out of time for the show today. Before we get out of here, time for a nightly TV guy. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw, Hart Seltzer, Brooks Childress. What do we have? Get into the spirit of the season with a couple of great movies on tonight. 7 o'clock on AMC. It's the classic Will Ferrell Christmas film, Elf, if you're looking more on the comedy side. That has been on almost every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Now you can watch it again. And again, and again, and again. And again. And again. Uh, also, 7 o'clock, if you're not into the comedy side of things but still want to be into the spirit of the season, 7 o'clock on E! Network, It's a Wonderful Life, one of the classic Christmas movies. I would not have thought that'd come on E! Yeah. You sure well, it's not some weird remake? No. I, okay. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain that It's a Wonderful Life on E! 7 o'clock. Kim Kardashian comes around the corner. Yikes. Uh. <laughs> uh, sports for you this evening. Got a lot of basketball for you, so we'll get to that. 6 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, it is Duke and Baylor doing battle for Madison Square Garden. It's also 6 o'clock on FS1. Xavier visits St. John. 7.30 ESPN2. Arizona State visits Northwestern. Uh, then it is 8 o'clock on ESPN. North Carolina takes on Oklahoma. Also 8 o'clock on FS1. Villanova visits Creighton. Some hockey action for you tonight on TNT. The Islanders take on the Capitals at 6.30. Follow that up at 9 o'clock with the Kraken visiting the L.A. Kings. And, of course, ESPNU at 7.30 tonight. Some NBA G League Winter Showcase continues. Uh, earlier today, I don't know if folks were aware, but uh, the Cleveland Charge played. They won over Team Ignite. Sharif Cooper got some uh, time there. He, I think he scored 11 points uh, in his time on the court there in that NBA G League Showcase. And that, my friends, is an outlet TV guy brought to my friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much much for that brooks and uh, thank you for joining us on this wednesday not usually your show schedule but a little different during the holiday season and you know what we're gonna do it and again tomorrow so it's brooks- the gift that keeps on giving all year long <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so thank you for being here today we'll see you again tomorrow yep and tom Peavy, thank you for being here throughout the week i hope you have a very merry christmas oh. sir and we'll see you again this time next week that's right and merry christmas to every everybody out there and uh well wishes for a great holiday and yeah i'll be back after what, I should have done some like Christmas cookie rankings with you. Maybe we'll do it when we come back and goof off. I don't know. I, we'll, we'll, have the, we'll have the Christmas conversation at some point. But that'll do it for the show today. We thank Joe Barnell of Roto Iron for joining us. And as always, we thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.